0: I, I mean, like, the whole commander idea, I think, was probably not. Right. I mean, the weird thing is, like, by doing that, we we were insured, like, I don't know, hundreds of, probably around 300,000 players, right. like, were really into it. Yeah. But we pro- probably also insured that 3 million players would never be into it. Sure. You know, right. or, or, like, 30 million for sure. Yeah. So, it like, both helped us and held us back.
1: Yeah. It gave you a higher floor and a lower ceiling. That's team. it.
0: Right. That's exactly it.
1: Hey everybody, this is Soren Johnson and you are listening to Designer Notes, a podcast about why we make games. Today, Leila and I are talking to veteran game designer Charlie Cleveland, founder of Unknown Worlds and best known for his work on natural selection and Subnautica. This episode was recorded on March 20th, 2022, and was engineered by Michael Hermes. (laughs) What's the what's the first video game that you remember?
0: Oh my goodness, my first video game. Whew. Um, I mean, probably like Tank for Atari 2600. Okay. Right around there.
1: Was that one of the ones where like two people were driving around yeah. and like uh, trying to blow each other up? Yep. Yeah. yeah.
0: And that's among the first. Maybe, I mean, Dig Dug I think was after that. Moon Patrol was after that. Um... I think I probably played the original Pong, wow. not, not on the twenty six hundred, but on the one before the twenty six hundred, like the Pong machine. Uh, no, but the one that had the rotating paddles. Okay. I thought there was like a I can't remember what the console was, but it was like a Pong machine, basically right. a home Pong machine.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, wow. Wow. So did you did
0: you have an Atari in your home? My friend did. My, my neighbor. Yeah. Okay. And it was with a little like black plastic yep. thing and the red button. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, so awesome. Yeah.
1: And so did, did it appeal to you like kind of right when you were a kid?
0: You know, I, I'm trying to I actually I haven't thought about that for a really long time. But I mean, I don't remember it being like a landmark moment at that time. Like right. I think I probably enjoyed it like every other kid. I think my real love for video games probably showed up a little later. Probably like high school. because okay. Maybe more like the Dungeons and Dragons and like other, when I kind of saw the bigger world of games. Right. That's where it kind of clicked for me. I don't think those first games were really amazing to me. Sure yeah
1: um, did you do were you in like a dungeons and dragons group like when you were y- yeah
0: i played i mean i remember playing when i was in fifth grade uh yeah fifth grade i remember playing in like the the school stairwell okay like, you know <laughs> i remember hiding in there with my friends we we're all like rolling dice on the stairs right and like um i think i was dungeon mastering but i can't really remember but it was like red box if you know that right yeah red box so you would you would buy,
1: you, did you make modules or you would, you'd buy modules? I think man? I would buy them.
0: Yeah. But I mean, of course I had no money. So like, I don't really remember if we made up our own adventures, but I remember vividly going to our, it was a like capital stationers, which is just a stupid name for a store, but it was just a, a paper store right. in my, in my hometown in Vermont, Montpelier. And, uh, I remember seeing the red box yep. on the shelves and I was like immediately taken like, I
1: when you saw the box, did you have any idea what it was? Or no, it
0: just immediately jumped out. At you? I, don't, I don't. I actually don't know. I just remember. I, maybe someone had told me what it was. This concept of a role playing game, and I was just so enthralled. Right. Yeah. So I think that was. Yeah. Probably where it really clicked for me.
1: It felt like there was um, like a hole in our lives that like those games just kind of filled yeah. immediately. You know. Yeah. Um, the uh, so I mean, can you talk a little bit about what it, what appealed to you about it at that like at that
0: point? Yeah, I guess it was just the imagination. You know, it was like, you know, there's a power fantasy, of course, like for like a lot of like young boys. But um, I don't know. I just like this idea that you could describe a world and anything could happen. And uh, I don't know that I guess that sense of agency when you you know, it's different than watching a movie. Right. There's a whole world that's happening in a movie. But for some reason, when you're in it, like you have agency. So I guess it was you know, being young and not having power over anything or not being able to really do anything on my own. This was like a little world that I could create or be in with my friends and who knows what could happen. Right. It just felt like new territory, like growth.
2: Yeah.
3: Um, you said that, that uh, it wasn't a landmark moment with video games. Do you, What type of games did you play as a child?
0: I mean, I continued playing games from that first like Pong and Tank and whatever. I played ColecoVision I played Oh my gosh! NES, SNES, played arcade games, tons of stuff in the arcade. I actually remember my arcade experiences were really formative. But uh, maybe that's like what, like what or like uh, Crystal Castles? Okay. Oh my gosh, Crystal Castles was I, mean, I just had never seen anything like it. Do you know Do you know the game? Mm-hmm. Yeah, because yep. we're uh, about the same time period. Um, what else? I think the original BattleTech, mm-hmm. the three D vector one. Oh yeah, right. Yep, um, Tron. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So, so how,
1: did, how did you survive in an arcade? Because I, to me, it was always like, you know, how can I get enough quarters to oh, yeah. pull it off?
0: <laughs> That's a funny story. My brother, we were just talking about a little bit. I have a twin brother and uh, we both liked video games a lot. And I was like, Andy, like, how are we, how, how are we this paying for games all the time? He's like, basically just shut up and keep playing. <laughs> and, and it turned okay, yeah. out turned, wow. yeah, so turn, it CD. It was CD. It turned out my brother had been stealing quarters from my dad's coin jar, Uh-oh. which he kept on his dresser, you know, okay. his loose change. Yep, yep. And he had just been like pilfering quarters for months. Strategically? So, wow. Yeah. I don't know with him, there's nothing too strategic. It was kind of <laughs> more just go like go. I need this now. <laughs> yeah. So but he just, got if you're scared. Oh, he was caught. Yeah. Oh, he was caught. And that was I stupid. I don't know if I was playing dumb or if I actually was dumb, but like I, I remember my dad like took it out on him. It was actually the one time. This is like TMI now, but so one time my dad ever uh, like hit us, he he used a whip, uh, a belt on my brother. Wow. And it wasn't. It was like not bad. Like he just yeah. like hit him once. It wasn't. It was How more symbolic. Old were you? It was symbolic. We were probably nine or ten. Sure. So I was. Like, I remember him walking by. And it was like <laughs> with the belt in his hand, and my the blood just drained out of my body because I knew what this was about. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And it was like just like a you know, <laughs> ah, <laughs> you know, it's like it was like. He probably didn't even hit him hard. Right, it was right. just like the idea that your dad oh, could hit you. Got he was the only one because he stole the yeah. quarters. I yeah. was just profiting off of right. it. Yeah. Did, but you, I guess, did you know where they were coming I, from? I, to my, I tell myself I did not know. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Yeah. This is more like a Carmella yeah. Soprano moment. Right. <laughs> right. I, was right, Carmella. Right. I benefited
1: yeah, from yeah. it. Like, yeah, exactly. If I thought too I deeply, I don't want to know. Yeah. It,
0: if I thought about it, I think I probably would have figured out. I'm sure it out, my
1: nine-year-old brother has a side job somewhere. <laughs> he That's must probably It's what a happens. paper route. I'm pretty sure he's just doing really well.
3: So you have yeah. Andy, and he's a yeah. twin. Yep. Yeah. Fraternal twin. Fraternal twin. Yeah. And uh, outside of Andy, do you have other siblings? Nothing. That's it. And yeah. you grew up in Vermont? Grew up in Vermont. Okay. Very
0: cold, dark. Yes. Yeah, yeah, so what was your family. What was your childhood like? I mean, it was, I would say it's snowy, yeah. dark. <laughs> right. You know, totally. it's, a, it's a pretty snowy and dark place. I mean, this. The summers are absolute paradise mm. I mean, Vermont is one of the most beautiful places I've been, right. and I've been a lot of places. Um, it's super pastoral and I would say basically idyllic. I right. mean, I was like definitely the, the, what do they call it? The latchkey generation. Right. Like my parents were like, okay, uh, come back by 10 or 11. You know, it's, it's a summer night and I'm running right. around the neighborhood. I was like a mile or two from my house, like literally running around in the woods with my friends. Yep. Completely fine. Yep. Um, yeah that's so,
1: pretty much how I grew up I grew up in a small town and like yeah you just you know you let yourself in and wander yeah. around and you know
0: you're hungry just you're at your friend's house you just go in the fridge and you eat something and then yep. you go back outside your and,
3: parents know your friend's parents yeah, and, yeah. absolutely and really, yeah. absolutely
0: I really I, as a side note <laughs> I think we should like have our parents like go more to, towards that model now like, yeah I really wish more parents did that like I feel like it gave me my sense of adventure and my like you know, just like being open to engaging with the world and not being afraid of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I That's know there's. A... I know there's been books written about
1: how like the radius of travel of a kid oh. has slowly shrunken oh. over the over the decades. And, of course. Um, I think everyone feels like it's a bad thing, but yeah, it's still happening. So why?
3: So in old town. Where yeah. I am, I keep on, like, asking you to come yeah, move to Old Town. So, it's, like, really it has that
2: feel of a town. So,
3: yeah. I let the kids go out. I get to, like, know their parents. We text each other sometimes if they're walking over there. And I'm just so happy that the kids are starting to experience something that's very close to what I experienced mm-hmm. as a yeah. child. Mm-hmm. Just kind of biking around to a friend's house. Y-
0: did you do that in Lebanon? To... Yeah. We wow. did
3: that. I didn't bike. We, we walked. Walked, and, yeah. You know, just kind of. You know, my parents knew where we were. It's amazing. Yeah. Like, Stranger Things, like, really resonate
0: with me. And I think it's because I could see my childhood. It was literally, that was it. Yep. Except the (laughs) Demogorgon and stuff.
3: (laughs) Charlie, did you study your way into the games industry? Or did you start with a hobby in games? And how how did, like, after playing those games and getting into the games this way, what is the next step after childhood
0: with the games? I'm trying to remember. Games? Like, uh, definitely. Well, I think right when I was about 13, I got my first PC. Okay. And I think that was like a big a moment. Huge moment. Right. I was a uh, secretary for our home economics class. Okay. And as part of my job duties, I think I had to like type up meeting notes or something. It's like something and I, <laughs> but I got to take the IBM PC junior home. Right, it got to stay at my house, which mm-hmm. is like a dream come true at that time. And I don't remember, I don't remember doing too much with it then, but I, I definitely was excited about it. But that immediately led to getting our first Mac Plus. Okay. And Mac Plus Dark Castle. Yep. I don't know if you know Dark Castle. Mm-hmm. That was a revolution that blew up my mind, and then HyperCard. Yep. Oh, you use HyperCard. Yeah. I mean, okay. I, it's hard to say. That would be generous to say I used it. But, like, I had it. And right. I knew that Dark Castle was somehow created with it. Right. And I was, like, doodling around trying to make, you know, linking cards together an adventure. Yeah. You know, drawing trying to draw stuff. And
1: Yeah. I made Little Adventures in HyperCard, too. Um, oh. And, uh, yeah, as a, as a kid, it was a really amazing tool. Uh, yeah. Because before that, it was all, like, you know, basic programming. I mean, real programmers yeah. did assembly or whatever. But, like, right. at least, you know, I could sort of do some simple basic stuff on the Commodore. But nothing... It was way, then, you know, it was such a step forward to be able to do what you could do in HyperCard, you know. And it was
0: like available to you. You didn't right. have to like get a book. You could just open up the software and just start using it. Yep. And figure it out. Start drawing things, creating buttons. Buttons. I remember it was like invisible buttons. You could click. If they click here, go to this, you know, jump to this card. And Yep. Yep. And then I think at that time was also when I started doing a little bit of basic programming at school. Okay. Because we had, um, I can't remember. If, I guess they were actually like TRS-80s at school. Wow. That was also like fifth or sixth grade. And um, I remember doing just like go to line, whatever, print this line, and that was super fun.
1: Do you remember trying to make any games from this era
0: or was that just still too out there? I think, I mean, I definitely tried to make a, a game in HyperCard. I don't really, I wasn't really like obsessed with making games or I don't really remember creatively thinking that, but um, I was definitely, I was just really excited about learning how to use computers, Right. play, play games mostly. I, I do remember typing in, games from like Byte Magazine oh
1: you did okay Yep.
0: my friend Gideon and I we would like he had a I guess it was a VIC-20 or a Commodore 64 Yeah. and we'd just like get the new Byte Magazine type in three pages of code enter and hope that it runs <laughs> and then play some like horrible skiing ASCII yeah. skiing game yeah
1: this is one of these things I think it's kind of hard to even explain to people Oh, really? Oh, that my like, gosh. You know, it's when we would get a magazine and we would yeah. type in, like, just... There's so many steps there that you would sure. never do nowadays. We should
0: go through it for magazine. your younger listeners. <laughs> <laughs> okay,
1: This is how it works. First there's of all, a there's magazine. this thing called paper. Paper. Yeah,
0: <laughs> paper. And magazine. they to come in magazines. <laughs> it's in short supply. If you don't get it before it <laughs> yeah. sells out, it's gone forever. Yeah, yeah but it's yeah. weird because I've interviewed other... I mean, I
1: have interviewed some people who have, like, submitted some... Like, I think Brian Reynolds submitted some of these... Wow, really? These programs for, wow. and I definitely know John Romero did and wow. like, you know, d- did like, you know, they would, you know, create these programs, send them in. And then the only way they had to distribute them was to print them up in the, you know, the back of a, wow. back of a magazine. Right. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Floppies was, were
0: too expensive, right. they
1: actually weren't even, were they, I guess they were flopped. Yeah, no were, tape drives
0: was at the beginning of this. Yeah.
1: The on tapes, then they're floppies. Yeah, and floppies. Yeah, it was a crazy,
0: crazy period. <laughs> but I, I think that showed me what programming could do. Like I didn't really understand what I was typing in, but it's like clearly these instructions are creating this. And if I understood it, I think I started to unlock things. And also during that time, I was like continuing to do paper RPGs a lot. Okay. Like I played a lot. I played every every paper RPG I could get my hands okay. on. Okay. So you went
1: beyond Dungeons and Dragons. Oh yeah. Right. Right. Yes. What was what was your favorite? What Was like the one that
0: I meant mean, the most to you. It's. It's like choosing a favorite child. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. Favorite food. I mean, Star Frontiers, Torg, Star Wars. Um, gosh, I don't even remember all of them. Thought we played like okay, Toon. Tune. So Tune. Crazy. We, I, I love them all. We played them all. Was,
1: is it what you would have thought of? Is your main hobby at the time? As,
0: yeah, probably, actually, now that I think back on it. Yeah. Yeah. No. Vampire. vampire, yeah, were, you vampire
1: yeah. were you like yeah. the leader of the group? Essentially, I did
0: a lot of DMing. We had another friend, Nate, who did a lot and he, mm-hmm. we kind of split it like for the more serious stuff and the more in depth stuff he would do like vampire. Right. Um, and then for what like was like your style? Else. Like what was your approach? Because, my, because there is a lot of leeway yeah. for how a DM wants a session to go. You're right? right. So my, my style is probably like my personality, which is a little impulsive, mm-hmm. a little, like I'm going to make the experience great at any cost. Right. Like, I'm not going to think about how this all fits together. I'm going to make the experience great right now. Right. Like, so if there was a moment that suddenly needed to happen dramatically, I would figure out a way to make it happen. And I was like, I got to scramble to like tie up the loose ends to make this fit with the story later. But like, I'm taking it now. Right. And my, my friend Nate actually was kind of the opposite. He would really plan things out and create really detailed worlds. Right. And then, you know, the drama would come out of that with like perfect integrity. Right. So it's so you yeah. were more like improv theater. Yeah. Version. A little more on that side. Right. Like the audience needs this now. This would be so great.
1: Yeah. I mean, you were probably learning to be a game designer.
0: Probably. That's right. Of course, we're talking about it. I'm starting to think about that. Yeah. Right. Like the audience needs this right now. This is what this I can feel it. Like we've had it down. we had too much downtime. We need like a hit of something like something really scary has to happen like call cthulhu right this is what would make it exciting yes yeah. it's happening the, well, the tentacle slithers by in the doorway <laughs> and you're like what the like what right and you're yeah. like everyone wakes up you know yeah
1: well you have a sense of when they're starting to drift you know, exactly. they didn't have it back then, but nowadays they'd be like starting to look at their phones. Right. You know, like, yeah, exactly. You're like I need, I need something. What, what, <laughs> what were your thoughts about things like, like difficulty and how close you would stick to the rules and stuff like that?
0: Yeah. I wasn't really much about sticking to the rules. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I'm not, not really a rules for lawyer. I mean it's more like I mean I like I'd roll my dice behind the screen. Sure. You know, so I could have ultimate say over whether something happened or not. Right. How how truthful were you about your direct dice? I was like semi-truthful. Semi-truthful. Yeah, I was probably like <laughs> I was probably like seventy-five percent truthful. Right. Maybe eighty-five. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But like if someone's gonna die randomly for no good reason, I'm probably not gonna let them die. Yeah. But you need they need to know that they could die. Yeah. Um. Well there's
1: a, there's a spectrum, and I think the people who are more open to improvisation and just kind of like going for the experience. They did more yeah. role-playing games. People would be more serious about rules and yeah. everything is exact. They'd probably more end up playing like hex-based war games, right? Exactly. You know, uh, yeah. there was actually like a spectrum of these type of games. And I think they all, they both Absolutely. actually are on the line somewhere. So you somewhere. Would
3: totally tamper with AI to oh, yeah. give someone a better experience.
0: Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, big time. No. Yeah, we'll get don't. to that. Yeah, <laughs> 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 I, I don't, I mean. Like, ungenerously, I could say it's about controlling everything, but I don't really think it was controlling. It's more that I mean, it is controlling it for the final experience. Because I care. Something I've realized over time is I really just like creating experiences. Like, if I wasn't in video games, I could create. Like, I like creating experiences with food. And it's like, okay, we want the lights to be like this. And the music is going to be like this. And these people are going to be here. And this kind of food is going to be served. It's like, I like this. Creating the whole idea. Yeah. Or like Fooding a.
3: Fooding isn't just to consume; it's the whole experience. It's the whole experience. So you offer an experience to people yeah. who are going to be eating at your house.
0: Yep. Yeah. Or I could like design an airport. I would love to design an airport one day because it's like the experience of traveling is so a certain way, and right. I don't want it to be so a different totally. way. <laughs> and I know I just would be obsessed with like, here's how the lights are gonna work. Here's how the music's gonna work when you arrive. Like you, this, this happens. This doesn't happen. You know. Right. So I just like I like shaping experiences and. Video games are basically the most the way you can basically create the most have the well, most yeah, impact. Total
1: control over the whole thing. I mean, and, that's like a good yeah. and a bad thing. Like it means yeah. you have to make everything. Yes. Right. You know, you make a you make a movie. You can find a place where like, oh, this looks really interesting. Let's do a scene yeah. here. Right. Like everything in video games has to be built. Right. Yeah. Um, so it is for people who want total control.
0: Um, and then, well, then of course you can deploy it instantly to yeah. like zillions of people. Yeah. Right. So that's kind of the best, it's the best of all worlds. You get to control everything and everyone can experience it. Yeah. It's like, yeah.
1: So at, at that age, you know, we're probably getting towards high school now. Yeah. Did you think of yourself as like, I want to design something nope. and I want to be creative? No, no,
0: nope. no, no. I just was thinking, uh, I had no idea what I wanted to do. I went to uh, like a career counselor, like a professional career counselor. Um, Cause I just, my grades were like, okay. Like, I think I always like, I did really well whenever I like actually applied myself, but I just basically never, I never put any work into my career. I mean, to my sc- uh, school. Schools, yeah, school And so I'm like, I don't, I have no idea what I want to do. And I basically, the testing came back and it was like, you know, business, language. It's kind of more on the creative side, but like also like there's definitely a business undercurrent there, but it was never like art. It was just like um, communication, some, some engineering, so it's like basically like a generalist. Yeah, is pretty much what I came back. Like, right. So I, f- I found a school that like basically could cover all those bases without me having to commit right away because I just didn't know what I wanted to do. Right. Did
1: you Did you have a sense? I go one well, like, hear here is like, did you have a sense that like video games were made by people?
0: Nope. You just didn't even. I think don't about remember, it? never even never even considered it. Yeah. And I just I don't even remember thinking about it. Wasn't even on my mind that yeah. I could make games.
1: I mean, like you know, you're all these Dungeons and Dragons modules. You know, they would have yeah. credits at the back. Like, did True. you ever look at
0: those and like yeah. wonder? I never, I I think I wanted to do something, air quote, important. Like, I wanted to have an impact. Like, I I kept thinking like international business, yeah something big and like, I don't know, flying around the world and talking to people in different languages. That's what I wanted to do. Like whatever that was. so You
3: were given given all of these options to be like a generalist. What did you do with that?
0: So then I went to school. I went to Case Western uh, Reserve University in Cleveland. And it was like it's a really good engineering school, really good medical school. They have a solid law school. Um and I basically just went for liberal arts for the first year. And then with the hope that I would just try a bunch of things and figure it out. And then I switched to engineering like immediately after that year. And then I was playing catch-up on the engineering, unfortunately. But so Charlie Cleveland? Yeah, I know it's weird. It's really weird. I, like, I know it's really, really weird. I didn't put the I two, like, two together, yeah. Is that why you chose Where the you? school? I'm like, yeah, that's why I chose. I can tell you have <laughs> heard, this, heard this joke before. I have. <laughs> yep, I have heard it a few times. Yeah. Yeah, it is weird though. Wow.
3: It is an experience. Yeah.
0: Oh, it is. It is. <laughs>
1: what uh, so what engineering what, what brand? I did
0: computer engineering.
1: Oh, okay. So you yeah. studied programming.
0: Yep. Okay. And hardware. Uh, I wish I had done computer science, but uh because Computer engineering is a little more in like chip design. Oh, I see. Yeah. Why did you do that instead of computer <laughs> I'm sure I, <laughs> I, I gave to. it no effort. I did like not, I did not think about it. I really should have just, I don't know, talked to like three people before I made that decision. Did I? No. Well, yeah.
3: whatever you did, I mean, it led you here.
0: Yeah. I just, but I do, I mean, I, I really wish I was a better programmer, you know, like I, my, I never took algorithms, like I, my math. Foundation is a bit shaky even after taking like nine semesters of advanced math. It's still shaky right. It's just because I that first year I was just always playing catch-up. I never really learned the fundamentals really right. solidly That's how I feel. Yeah, but,
1: well, it's amazing what 18 year olds don't know, right? Like yeah, when I, uh, when I went to school like I had a sense that maybe I like to study programming, but I didn't mm-hmm. see anything called programming Right, eventually I figured out. Oh. Like, oh, it's computer science. Right? <laughs> it's got this fancy name. Oh my <laughs> but it's gosh! It's basically programming, didn't you? Know, eventually I figured that out. But but yeah, I mean, when you're eighteen, you have no idea what you're doing. No. And like so, you know, you kind of stumble through. Um, so so okay so you. I, I was gonna
0: say as an anecdote to that. Okay. I remember seeing the the uh, like the U.S. map. Of, like whenever we'd study it in school and look at it on the wall, it just ended at like Canada. Okay. Like, it just, it, like, we didn't even draw Canada. Right. It just ended, showed you <laughs> the US. And I'm like, I remember it was kind of a surprise to me at some point when I found out that, like, Maine didn't end, at, like, it wasn't like an, a peninsula. <laughs> right. There's like Nova Scotia no up there, like right. New Brunswick. Like, I had no idea. So it's like, Take it at face value. You Wait, know. but
1: you grew up in Vermont. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. Well, I know. I like, oh Did I go God. anywhere? No.
1: <laughs> Never. It's like, the, it's like, you know, there's the wall
0: up there. There's no the wall. The wall nah. No, there's it's only one way, the way to go, house. house. Yeah, exactly. Warm. <laughs> just go through some warm. warm yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a great wall. It's yeah. like, you know, 300 <laughs> feet tall. <laughs> <laughs>
1: so were you still playing games and video games and
0: stuff for oh, yeah. college? And, I like, was. I, that's when I got obsessed with magic. Oh, okay. Yeah, Magic: The Gathering. Right. Oh, but also, I as a weird side note, I was also really into magic, close-up magic, in uh, in high school, middle school, and high school. What's close-up magic? Like uh, you know, oh, like sleight of hand, magic, and, like, stage magic. tricks, magic, <laughs> magic. Sorry, I heard magic I was like, oh yeah, I love magic. Like there was some other name for that. Magic. Yeah. Okay, that's, that's magic. interesting. What, Again, uh, creating experiences. Probably. Okay, but, what were like? What were your best tricks? Like what, oh, what did you do? I don't even know. I just liked studying. I liked learning the secrets behind the tricks. I was like not really loving the performing. I was way, way, way too shy to perform. Right. Um, I mean, I did perform because everyone like pushed me towards it. And I ultimately did want to, but it was like just really difficult for me. Um, But I just love like learning the how to, like something that you see that's impossible. And then you just like read two more pages and all of a sudden it like a whole new world opens up and you realize it is possible.
3: So do you still have this these tricks after I
0: have a lot of books. I have I do have a lot of my close up magic stuff in boxes that I haven't touched for decades. Yeah, one day, one day I'll get back to <laughs> it. Is
3: it part of the experience of when you're making food and? I think it oh is. Oh my gosh! I want to be invited. Like I'm just right now. I'm saying it on a podcast. I want to be invited to your dinner. Yeah, where there you go. This close <laughs> I up want magic.
0: The <laughs> oh my god! I would love that. I. <laughs> But magic is like it's like creating an experience again, right? Yeah. It's like it's like I want this person to believe this, and then for a moment they have this idea that this thing is true or that something they thought was true is impossible or you know, that's it's creating an experience in someone else. Yeah. So now they think about it.
3: Could that help you yeah. make a lot a lot of friends?
0: Magic? Yeah. Uh <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> no. There yeah. was an older guy that I be, be, became friends with because he was basically a mentor to okay. me, and cool. he would like br- bring me to stage shows and like have push me on stage and have me do stuff, right. which was great. Yeah, wow. But he was like n- not really age appropriate, you know? Like <laughs> I was like twelve <laughs> and he was like thirty eight or something. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. but but uh, yeah, I need I needed the push sure. like yeah, socially. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I definitely needed that.
3: Okay. So this was Magic Magic. Sorry, and then I, I, and then I, I went, went into exactly. Magic the Gathering. Yeah.
0: And then Magic the Gathering and... So you discover it, was, it right away in like 93
1: yeah, when it came out or whatever? And yeah.
0: Oh, those alphas. If we had a time travel machine, I'd go back and buy some boosters. <laughs> That's all I think about. I bet. What happened to your, your first set of cards? Like, you know. I, I, I collected... Okay, so I didn't have a lot of money. Yeah. But I played Magic obsessively and I played it actually online. I played it over IRC which for um, our younger folks, are it's a text chat Okay. Uh, before the internet.
1: Wait, how would that even work? You type your moves. You type your moves. It's like play swamp, tap swamp. So you just have your own deck and everyone would trust the people you trust. who were playing. Yep.
2: Wow. Yep. I didn't, wow. Know that,
1: didn't know that. I mean, I played I played diplomacy over email and stuff so like that. So there you go. So, yeah, yeah, same I mean, idea. There's, there's stuff like that. Same idea. You make do with what? Yeah. They did kids today. Kids <laughs> that They didn't even know. <laughs> <Yeah>. You never <laughs> had to type tap, swamp, tap, swap, tap, swap, play hypnotic <laughs> specter. Man, but there's so many. You
3: played diplomacy over email.
1: Yeah. I, you're like, like That's whoa. the way I'd yeah. be
3: able to play. Diplomacy. That's the only way. Sure. I'm it's
1: actually to the best diplomacy. way to play it. Cause you don't know the people you're playing with. Well,
3: they can't and, like, see me.
1: Oh my gosh. gosh. Because yeah, they will be like, there's oh, these. terrible
3: yeah. as diplomacy. Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah. There's these websites. It's terrible to like... you.
3: I feel like I'm failing my team when I laugh or like, like we play oh. um, Secret Hitler. Yeah, yeah. And Soren turns to me and he goes, Leila, are you a fascist? And I just die laughing. <laughs> so
0: are you like, that's your tell? Like,
3: yeah. And then I'm like, I'm failing my team. Like, yeah. I just don't like the you got no poker, games.
0: no poker game going on?
3: Oh, I also played poker. And they can read my face and know I have a good hand. So, <laughs> like, no, seriously, I have yeah. weakness here. Don't give her your money no. for,
0: yeah, for right. playing poker. I mean, it has its upsides too. Like, people will trust you more. Yes. Yeah. It's and they hate true. you less probably yes <laughs> unless you don't age. like them then they yeah. you don't so like them
3: these types of games are definitely not for me but i can see how they can be killed sure. over email where yeah. i can enjoy them yeah. and not feel like i'm deceiving everyone on the team or letting them down or right disappointing or
1: well it's weird because like i would you know i would um you'd, you'd, these games would start and like the first month or so is when you kind of set up the people you're going to backstab, you know, and you're like, oh, I'm going to, hey, I'll move oh. into this territory. We'll be buddies. And then, like, ah, you lower the boom, and then, you know, you move on. But eventually, usually you need some some, some partner that's, like, a yeah. serious ally. And then after four or five months, you know, this is some person, you don't know who they are. Four or five months? Right, yeah, these, these games take a while. And this is someone you don't know who they are. And you get to the point in the game where, like, okay, we could have a, a team victory here. Or I could go for the kill and try to get yeah, a solo victory. But honestly, at that point, you build up a relationship where you're like, you know what? I want to, you know, I'd rather I'd rather win with you than try
0: to win this game, right? You know? And that's, and that's when they, can I swear in this podcast? <laughs> yeah, that's when they F you.
3: Are you the baddie? <laughs> absolutely not! Exclamation
0: point! All caps! <laughs> caps. Yeah. Um, and did those ever work out? Did you yeah, get they, they, they victory? did work out. I mean, generally speaking, that's
1: kind of, you know, people are still people, right? Yeah. Um, but okay, so you were playing. Yeah, playing Magic <laughs> over chat room. Did so, you have people you could play with by oh, yourself? and, or and like? I played a ton in real life. Or in real life, but yeah.
0: Matt, like online, was great because if you wanted like the competitive scene, oh, I see. Like our our school, we had a lot of people who play, but it wouldn't be. Yeah, you know, it wasn't like the upper echelon. Yeah, So yeah. you like, so what did you? I mean,
1: were you hardcore into building your own deck? I was. Like, like, so what was your like? What was your typical type strategy? Like, I
0: just made the craziest decks. It was like my biggest gaming achievements were my magic decks. Okay. I I made I made decks that broke the game completely. Right, they didn't always work, but they did, when they did work, they broke the game. Like, uh, you know, infinite turns. Right, infinite health. You know, infinite damage. Uh, like draw through your whole. You know, you draw your whole deck in your hand in one turn, that kind of stuff. Yeah,
1: I did play Magic in the early, mid-90s, so mm-hmm. has, have they just gotten better at making sure they don't... I think they've just gotten better at that. <laughs> so yeah, that yeah. I
0: think all those cards that I loved are banned, Yeah, you know, sure. or at least restricted. Mostly banned. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, to answer your question about my original Magic cards, I collected them. I basically, I remember there were months went by of me doing small trades to just like push like... I remember this person wants this card, okay. I'm gonna get the card that they want from this person because I I can trade my low crappy card for that slightly better one. I'd be like doing three way trades and I worked my way up and I eventually got a full set of Moxin and the Lotus and Mm -hmm. Time Walk, Time Twister, which which are all like some of these cards are $20,000 now. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, they're like extremely rare.
3: Real life strategy.
0: (laughs) Right. It was (laughs) like it was a giant market. Yeah. and I remember we would have like trading we would all go down to our student center like on a Friday or maybe it was like a Tuesday let's say it's a Tuesday um, not Friday night because that would be nerdy right. um, Probably, <laughs> probably Friday. Friday night probably <laughs> yeah. just a minute <laughs> yeah it was pretty much Fridays um, and we'd like trade our cards and like then play of course and I remember ultimately like I had such a great collection and then I got I got out of school and I still love magic but I'm like I needed money bad yeah and I sold my entire binder. Wow. My beautiful, beautiful binder. Wow. I remember it was three thousand dollars. Three thousand dollars, which back then sounded like a lot of money. Oh, it was a huge amount of money. I needed a computer. Yeah. Like I need, and I got a laptop, which is yeah. like what I did. I started making games on it. Like yeah. my first video games. I I mean, more or less, my first games came out of that. Was okay, actually, well, that's a good. It was worth it. Great story. And even economically, it was worth it. Like yeah, yeah. every way, it was worth it. No, was yeah. Did you
1: get into? For, so did you get into magic? Was Was breaking the game like the appealing part to you, or just the know. actual?
0: back and forth I just tactics. love the game I love the game yeah. the, but the rule breaking part of it like was really exciting to me um yeah i I don't know I just I love the richness of the game like and right. I love the strategy of it and like just the back and forth I lo- actually I love the theme of, lo- of a lot of the cards right like and how the theme comes to life through a rule
1: yeah I mean looking at it through the lens today you'd say it's like one of the first life op games right because Absolutely. it's like yeah. when well, the first game four it was constantly changing. Yeah, There was nothing really like that back then. But I mean, Dungeons and Dragons, maybe sort of, but not really. Since was, with yeah. Magic, every new game, card could be a new rule, yep. right? It could be a new thing that yep. you'd never
0: seen before, right? Yeah, so, usually it was, I would yeah. say.
3: So going off of like, we don't think that there are people behind the games, did, did you ever think that you should contact the people behind nope. the game to tell them that this is how you can bring nope. the game? Hmm. no. Nope.
1: Yeah. Didn't even but, cross my but mind. But you sold your magic cards to buy a, buy a laptop. Beer. Yeah. Um and you said you started making some games with it. So tell so, us about this. So
0: Yeah, so actually um during school, like again, like typical my fashion, I didn't really apply myself that much to school. Like I enjoyed it, I learned a lot, but I was like I realized I, I realized early on in my career there that I, I needed to grow socially more than I need to grow academically. Mm-hmm. Um, and I did. Like I, I really, I mean, I wouldn't, I don't, don't, I wouldn't say that I blossomed socially, but I definitely coming from a small town and going to a big city, like I learned a lot. And like I was surrounded by international people and hearing multiple languages. And, um, that was like a really great experience for me.
3: Just a side thing. You said Uh, that you're into languages. How many languages do you speak?
0: Oh, I, I'm not actually, well, my grandfather was really into languages. So I, one day I hope that I really am. I mean, I've studied French and I, I basically speak some Italian, probably not not super well. Like almost B one level. Um, like I can I've communicated in Italian for like hundreds and hundreds of hours. I've spoken to so many people in Italian only because when I travel there. Well,
3: you know, that's but not average. Right? It's not so average, but it's in the US. No,
0: but it's like yeah. I mean I've spent a lot of time over there. But um I do I guess I hope I've always been interested in languages. I haven't I've again, never really studied them. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm more, I just like to speak with people. Yep. Um, so maybe that's part of the experience thing. But, um, so, well, I'm trying to think what I was saying. Oh, so I wasn't really applying myself to school, but I knew, I knew that, I started to think, like maybe sophomore or junior year that I really wanted to start making games. And I hadn't thought of it as a career, I just wanted to make them. I didn't really think about where it would go. Right. So for our summers, I would come back to Vermont, and, uh, my friends and I, we'd all rent a house together and, um, we would basically just work, you know, we'd have like side jobs during the summer, some of us, and then we would just work on a game together. Right. And that basically totally failed <laughs> every time. Sure. Like I, mean, I have a picture I can show you. It's really funny. It's me sitting in, we had one room where we had all of our computers and it was like our office, you know, five computers for five people. Right. I'm the only one in that office like I've never seen a picture with more than one more than me in there in the office you were the
1: one who cares yeah I was
0: like where is everyone <laughs> that's what I remember I mean that age you tell people hey you want me to do the
1: game permit they're all gonna be like yeah sure sure but what does that mean really yeah
0: what's funny is two of those well three out of that five are professionally in the video game industry oh really right? yeah okay. so, so they worked. did it could, it could have, have worked. worked out yeah where did the, where do they work uh so one of them works well he, actually my friend Gideon now works at Facebook but okay. he was at uh he was at um what do you call it? Uh, what The Tony Hawk studio. Okay. What am I forgetting? The is name? that Neversoft? Neversoft. Yeah. Yeah. For many years. He worked on tons of games. He um, worked on Call of Duty. Um, and then my friend Scott. I actually don't know where he is these days, but he's worked at a whole bunch of yeah, studios sure. around Austin. Okay. So, yeah what, what game were you trying to make? So back then, let's see, that was around 90... I think 94, 95 was the first summer. Right. I think um, we were trying to make like a... It was right when Tomb Raider was was on the horizon. Okay, Like it hadn't come out yet, but we wanted to make a 3D action adventure game with okay. a female, female main character. Right, That's what, I, mean, I don't know if we knew much more than that. What was available to make this? Nothing. This would have been, but this would have
1: probably been between Wolfenstein and Doom, like that period. Like, what Yeah, that, you're
0: right. It's right about that time. You're like right. What
1: type of tools would be available for like regular people to make 3D games? Like
0: I don't, there be, are any, I don't yeah. think there were any tools. There was okay. the Michael Abrash book on programming. Right. Like modex. Everyone brings that up basically. It's just modex. Yeah, that's what like, it was. Yeah. Get that book. That's all that that's all I knew about. Yeah. That's a tall order. I mean Here's how you change it to Modex. <laughs> now make a game. <laughs> yeah. Wouldn't it have been like, simpler
1: to make a 2D game?
0: It, it, so it's funny you say that. So we, we spent I can't remember if it was one or two summers trying to make that 3D game. Yeah. And then I think it was two at least two summers. And after that, it was the second kind of misremembering, but it's either two or three total. At the end of the last summer, I had just graduated from school, from college. And we wasted the summer trying again to make this game. And then everyone went their separate ways. And my friend Scott and I said, hey, like, they all went, I don't know if they went to get jobs or they moved or whatever. But we're like, let's just make a 2D game. Right. Like, let's make a star control kind of clone. Right. And um, we made, uh, it was called Aquarium Fighter. Okay. And it was, uh, Scott was the artist and he, like, made all these little sea creatures out of Play-Doh. And then we like got like a really crappy webcam, but that was, huh. okay. just took pictures, like yeah. still frames and like posed them and right. um, basically made animation that way. Hmm. And then use that old mode X to like get some sprites on screen and some basic 2D physics. And we made, we made a game. You could play hot seat against each other. right? Like six different, there's like starfish, seahorse, Diverman, man right. Fish, they all had like diff- really really different abilities right and you just like fight star control style with the camera kind of zooming to fit the two, okay. the two characters so it's a 2d plane but essentially it's a 3d game because it's flexible so i mean i guess it was the camera it did zoom it, did, it yeah, scaled yeah. the sprites but it was basically 2d right. all through and through i would say right right yeah right. but i remember I showed my friend Steve the game, and I remember vividly sitting down and playing Hot Seat. where well, I wasn't really Hot Seat. It was, like, simultaneous. Yes, right. Um, whatever yep. that's called. Whatever
1: that's called. Couch co-ops. Right? Couch co-op, not, thank not, you. Not co-op, but couch whatever. Couch. <laughs> couch. <laughs> local multiplayer. Local. Local. There we go. Jeez.
0: Whatever. I don't know what that is. Yeah, I never heard anyone talk about that. <laughs> it used to just
1: be called multiplayer before the internet, right? There you
0: go. That's right. <laughs> With Worms days. Right. And I remember I said, Steve, you got to play this game. And we sat down we played. And it was like, it suddenly made the transformation from project, you know, academic project that I'm working on to we're trying to beat each other in the game right now. Yeah. You know that feeling, right? The first time you play a game. Now you care. You care. Yeah. And I'm thinking of the game as a competitive game. Right. And it was such a wonderful, exciting moment. I mean, I don't know why. There's a few moments out of that game that I remember. I remember the first time I got something working on screen was like a huge moment. Right. Just seeing an image on the screen was like, I'll never forget it. Yep. You know, and I remember making like a level editing tool so you could like build the aquariums. Yep. So you could like place all, you know, we, it's so funny. He went, Scott went to a. Uh, pet store and just like bought all this stuff and then we took photos of everything and then returned it all because <laughs> we didn't have the money uh, that's sweet Punk rock. So, like, <laughs> so it was like a filter and yeah, like the yeah, little yeah. rocks and whatever and i remember making the tool and then scott had put all that stuff in and all of a sudden he's making aquariums placing these sprites around it was just like my mind like went bananas yeah yep, yep. it's just like i don't know i was just really excited
1: yeah well, it's funny because you kind of went through the path a lot of the student indie projects go through. Where yeah. like the first time they make a game, they go like, "Well, they go way too yep. big. We're going to make an MMO or something totally. stupid, right?" You know, and then you know, eventually. I mean, nowadays people I think understand better. It's like start with something very simple to see what you can do. I don't think they really do understand that. <laughs> I feel like so they still start that, really big. Mistake that you have to it gets made over and over, but uh, yeah, yeah. It's
3: just part of evolution. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right.
0: yeah, and the ones that fail, you get humbled. Were, and then if they don't really, really want it, they'll just bounce off and go to something else. And the ones that do want it will try a couple more times and they eventually get to that point. Well, that,
1: that, that moment of magic of like you see it, suddenly you're actually enjoying it, right? Like, yeah. like that's,
0: that's an important thing to get to. And a lot that of people never never see that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it I mean, was totally broken, don't get me wrong. Sure, but. But, it, but I also, sorry to interrupt, I remember I, I was starting to think about balance at that moment. Okay. It was like, oh, this thing is too powerful because of this, or wouldn't it be cool if this ability was changed like this? And that was like kind of the game design right. part. Before yeah. that, it had been more technical.
1: Yeah. And also, as a player, like you're always looking for like the most powerful thing. Yeah. In every indie game, right? And, yeah. But then as a designer, you're like, oh, if there's one super powerful thing, Right. It's not really a good game anymore. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah, It's such a very simple thing, but it's, it's, you know, you get to it quickly, right? Yeah. Um, The, um, I mean, let's still jump out a little bit. What exactly do you think you were doing right now at that time? Like, you know, you were going through college, but you were taking probably a stiff amount of time working on these projects, right? I was doing what,
0: doing what again? Taking you, Spending a lot of time going on to, you know, it? You, yeah, yeah. you were going through I, college,
1: but you were probably spending quite a bit of time on yeah, this project. So no. what,
0: what, were you, what did you think you were doing? I mean, let's just say I was living in a lot of denial at that time. <laughs> so I don't think I just really put it together. I didn't really think about, like, hey, what does this mean? Right. You know, for me. Like, I didn't, I wasn't did really you have na- some
1: like, idea of, like, you sell these games or do you had, even do anything with them? I, like,
0: I have no idea.
1: Because sometimes people have even, you know, they don't know what they're doing on the design side, but they also don't know what they're doing on the business side. But that's fine. Maybe they imagine yeah. they can sell them even if they can't,
0: right? So yeah. it gets them going. So you just you just were following your I views. just loved it. Yeah, I just loved it. I wasn't thinking about my anything but what I might do in the future. I mean,
3: Soren, think of of our kids, right? They recently attempted with their friends to create a game. Right. And we asked them, like, do you want to sell it? They're like, no, we just want to create it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so the appeal was actually to feel like they are capable of creating something the way they see it in their heads. Sure. And they think it's going to be amazing and so much fun. Yeah.
1: I think it's actually one danger being in the games industry too long. You forget just the, how... The beauty of just creation itself you know like yeah. um sometimes I, expl- I was actually explaining to someone just the other day just who didn't know much about video games at all m- just the whole concept of modding right, right. Like they take our game and they they build stuff on top of it and like, and like do they sell it I'm like no they don't <laughs> Why sell it they do that? and like who does it I was like well it's actually a big team it's like there's a team it's like a structure you know like, <laughs> like who pays it's tr- no like, no oh, one gets like, paid what's yeah. the point of all this and yeah. I'm like they're just doing it because they like they're, they love it yeah. and they're excited to make something they're
0: excited to like see something on the screen that they, they did yeah. right and that's the end of it right yeah um, it's i think it's kind of sad that we have to even explain that that like that you could do something just for the intrinsic joy of it right i think like we're f- not trying f- to explain so, it
3: i think we're just analyzing it yeah yeah we forget that we just sometimes want to create we just want for to do it just for the joy of
0: it, it. yeah, yeah. But, like, our society is not really built around that, yeah. right? It's all about achievement and growth. And...
3: Well, being in the business, and that's why I said about our kids, being in the business, you always think that you're creating game and then you're going to sell it and there's a profit. And then we forget that, you know, hold on, just wait a second. Yeah. The kids, our kids, are trying to make a game just because they want to get it made because it's fun and they think they can do it. And, yeah. You know, so they just get together. It's to a way for them to socialize. It's us who ruin it by saying, Absolutely. do you want to sell it?" Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and they're
0: like, well, like what?" By...
3: Yes. Yeah.
0: yeah, it makes perfect sense now you mentioned it that way. So yeah.
3: what happened with that project? How far did you go? Aquarium fighter.
0: Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, we finished it. Um, I remember, let's see, we started it. It was like right at the end of the summer. Everyone, like I mentioned, everyone left and I remember Scott and I, we just like, I don't know, I don't know how we made it work. We just stayed in our rented house for another six or eight weeks. Yeah. That's about how long it took to make. And I remember I was living off my credit cards at that point. Mm-hmm. So it was like, that was building. Wow. Yeah. Weirdly. I also remember the internet had suddenly become infested with ads. Right. The, I mean, not that the internet was really mature in any way, but the internet had just happened. And like a year later, I remember, I just remember another vivid thing. I remember going online one day and noticing everything was covered with ads. Yeah, It was sure. a weird thing. Anyways, it's a weird standout moment, but the internet was blowing up. And mm-hmm. I like I was, I had learned Java in school and um, somehow, I can't remember how I found out about it, but I needed money and I'm like, okay, I somehow found a contract gig to go do Java programming for um, this guy who wrote uh, Java for Dummies, okay. um, he needed someone to like help write support code to like for examples and like you know st- uh, illustrations for the book. So I like moved to Boston, right? Got into a boarding house, like a really cheap boarding house, and started working on Java Java for Dummies.
1: Wow. I'm pretty sure I have a copy of Java for. Dummies. Oh really? Aaron, Aaron Walsh. <laughs> right.
0: Yeah, long time ago. Um, yeah, uh, that's funny.
1: Okay. So you, you were doing, you were doing code mockups? For- yeah. I was
0: like, I was, I can't remember exactly what I was making, but I was like in an office with him and I think his girlfriend. And then we were like, um, I think I was just writing like test, like I don't know, like samples to include like on yep. a CD or yep. something. Cause I guess CDs had happened by then. Yep. Um, and then I did that for a couple months and then I'm like, I want to go and in, go into games. And I saw an ad. I, I think I, I was working with a recruiter mm-hmm. and I think I, recruiters recruiter is the one that hooked me up. They're like, you know, what do you do? What have you learned? I'm like, oh, I know Java and I've been doing these games. So they got me a Java gig and then they got me a game gig. Wow, that's at, fast. Yeah. Okay. So I got a contract programming gig at Papyrus who did um, Grand Prix Legends, those old school um, like car simulation, driving simulation games. Uh, they do one of the big ones now. It's not Project Cars, but it's the other one. Um, so Dave Kemmer is like the original guy behind. Anyways, they're like, they had like NASCAR tires on the desks. Yes. Like everyone was like super into cars. That's not me. Right. But <laughs> I got to, I loved working in games for three months. Hated hated that particular gig. And then got my next job working for um, a startup. Hard to call it a startup, but it was like a two-person company outside of uh, Boston working on a game called Mind Rover, which was a basically a, a bot programming game. Mm-hmm. So you basically are wiring up these components and some basic logic, and you're making these futuristic bots, and then you put them in an arena and they fight each other. Okay, kind of like Core War, Core Wars. Right. Sure. But like was 3D, it like a 3D Pc, like a PC game? PC or? game. Yep. Okay. Okay. Like
1: We're, like it would be on like a disc that type of
0: thing. Yep. Yeah. Okay. We actually got into retail. It sold like no copies. <laughs> But, like, I was actually doing design work on that. Oh, really? I mean, I was doing, like, mostly UI design, and, like, I was programming all the, like, UI for the wiring interface, and like, generated code, and it was actually pretty, pretty complex. Um, I didn't do the code generation, but, um, yeah, it had its own virtual machine that it would, like, spit out code for, and um, that was definitely the, starting to get more into design at that point. Okay. Design slash programming.
1: What did, I mean, looking back now, like, what did you think about that game that, like, What's a problem design wise? Oh my
0: gosh, that's interesting. I mean the big, the big thing that it was doing was also the thing that people loved and that most loved and most hated about it, which was uh, why can't you know why can't I just play? Why can't I just control the robots directly? (laughs) (laughs) Right.
1: Yeah, it's funny. Some games have a problem, and like if you you really have to go to the serious design denial. To, yeah. like, avoid this obvious thing yes. that, like, everyone's going to keep bringing up over and over yes. again. And so it's, it's amazing how much we can put blinders on to be like, you know, no. Th- 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 the That's game's not the game this, I want to make. Yeah, yeah. I'm making this other game. But, like, everyone's like, but if you, you know, they just want to do this simple, basic thing. Yeah. yeah. And you're not going to let them. Right. Yeah. Um, and
0: I don't know. Yeah, I don't know what the right answer was. Maybe we should have just done it, but it would have been such a different such it a different, been a different game. game. Right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and no one there would have wanted to make that game. Right. You and know. certainly not the founder Kent like he wouldn't have wanted to make that game. So
3: around that time were you aware of other games that are starting to come over? like mm-hmm. that
0: was yeah absolutely that was Are we
3: saying like 2000? It was, was right
0: time? 2000. Yeah, mm-hmm. good good uh calculation. It was uh StarCraft had just hit Tribes. Yeah. These are like landmark multiplayer and just fantastic games. I mean, I was like obsessed with StarCraft and Tribes um Quake 2 right it's just I mean, I was playing. I had been playing Quake some before that and Doom, but um, gosh, yeah, the, the first person shooter revolution was happening, and and RTS was booming. Age of Empires had just come out, first one. Was right. Like, um, then that game, I can't remember why I ended up by leaving, but I knew. I guess I probably knew that it wasn't really going to go anywhere ultimately. Right. Financially, it was going to be a tough road. And I had seen Kent like raise money with investors, and I kind of watched, I'd seen him starting the company, so I was getting a little view of that. Um, and then I went to work for Rick Goodman at um, okay. Stainless Steel. Stainless. Yeah, this, you know, you
1: know, Stainless. Was this Empire Earth? Yeah, yeah. Empire yeah. Earth. Yeah. yeah. Boy, I believe you know it. Oh, I remember Empire. Well, it was a time when there was man. How many RTS games were like being made in that era? It was crazy. I mean, but no three D ones, right? Yeah, almost oh, it was, no three D. I forgot. It was three D. Was that like Empire was That was the big thing. Okay.
0: Two. It was really two and a half D. Yeah. Well, actually, yeah. It was fixed camera. Sure. Or actually, it was you could zoom in, but it was basically top down, just like three D, three uh, D units, and I guess it was three di Can't remember if it was two D or three D terrain. I think it was two D terrain. Yeah. Can't remember. Um,
1: yeah, I remember Empire Earth. It 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 also feels like. A game that's also sort of begs the question of like, do you really need to pack all of world history into a 30 minute experience? Like, <laughs> right, like I don't, I, yeah, it, it's sort of this inevitable thing of like, okay, well, what's the next step after Age of Empires? Well, let's just you know, let's do yeah. more. But, but what makes an RTS work is that it is it fits this this short time frame, right? Mm. Like, if you if you let it sprawl too much, then it's no that's longer it no longer fits it's not going to work for multiplayer because time is really limited yeah right true Um, and also I'd say player stress you know like if you have a very stressful game very stressful games need to be short yeah you know yeah you're right because
0: it's just it's just a physiological thing I wish I talked to you before making natural selection (laughs) 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 <laughs> <laughs> Stressful um, games need to be short. Stressful yeah, yeah, games yeah. need to be short. Okay.
1: Well, let's talk about Empire Earth though, that's, uh, oh, I mean, yeah. it that's certainly at least is an interesting
0: project. Right? Oh, it so. was! It was so is exciting. It, is it
3: fair to say, at this point, you knew this is where you're gonna be headed. To I, your I, I, I
0: still don't think I was even oh, thinking okay. about it. Yeah. Like, so as a side note, I definitely like I was closeted, right? So okay. yeah, I. And I still was in the closet. I just hadn't even considered, I hadn't even thought about my sexuality. It right. just wasn't even in my world. Yeah. So that part was like, I'm just gonna focus on my career. I'm gonna, not a career, I'm gonna just focus on programming and games because I love it, I'm not gonna think about anything else. Yeah, sure. So I was like very good at putting things in boxes. Right. So um yeah, so I don't think I even gave it a moment's thought. Right. I just knew that I loved doing what I was doing and I was actually at that point making good money. Sure, I mean you must so, have been pr- pretty happy about where things were going,
1: generally speaking, oh, right? Because totally. You know, you, you didn't really think of games as being a career. Yeah. You went went to, you know, went to school, you got engineering degree, and now here you are, you're making games, right? Making games. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, so you, uh, you applied, you know, you got a job at stainless steel. Yeah. What were you
0: hired for? Uh, game programming. Game programming. Yeah, like gameplay programming. Yeah, gameplay programming. Okay, great. I got my hands in design a bit too. Right, right. Because I designed some, some systems. And
1: you conceived of that. Like you didn't want to just be a programmer. You yeah. felt like you wanted to do yeah. right.
0: And I wasn't, I'm not like a good enough programmer to do like high-end graphics or like, you know, anything that has to run super fast or it's just not my, not my wheelhouse. Right. I'm good with like UI and like how the game feels and, um... Yeah, I guess more like design, where design hits programming.
1: Okay. So how did you, what were your, I mean, tell us about your experience
0: with FI that fire Yeah. I mean, so I got that job. That was like a big job. Like yeah. from, from where I was, where I was for sure. that one, this was like an exciting startup. They were funded. There's like yep. a team of 40 yep. new office. Everyone had new hardware marketing budget. Like this is like a real, this was like my first project. that was like going somewhere. Yep. You could feel it as soon as I got there. But I actually, I knew some of those guys from, I remember I, I knew that I wanted that job. And somehow I, I met them. I met a couple of them socially. I think through, um, we had a, uh, something called the postmortem, which was like mm-hmm. a, a game dev meetup, yep. like a base meet at a pub and hang out. And I met some of them there and I kind of strategically started playing D with them. Oh, okay. I got myself inserted into their DD nice. group. Wow, yeah. that's, that's clever. And I was just like, and I, they were friends. I really liked them, but I like I was. I don't remember. I, th- I feel like I feel like it was kind of strategic. I don't really remember the details, but and then when they had a uh, Game programming job open up. I just like mentioned that I would love to take it and I just yeah. got the job You know, it was just right there. I was already I was hanging out the office all the time Yeah, and so had you, you had you already known that they were working on RTS? I can't really remember. I think I knew the basics. I think they had shown me what they were working on, right? Um, but yeah, I think I knew I knew Age of Empires I loved yeah. And a 3D version of it from the same creator I was in. Right. Like, I can't wait. Okay. So and,
1: what uh, So what did you do there, then?
0: Yeah, I just... Um, like, programming... Uh, like, they had calamities. They had, like, all these, like, kind of disasters that would... Not really calamities. They were more... Um, what were they called now? Like, wonders? No, not wonders. What were they? Like, uh, god powers. Okay. So I think you could, like, create earthquakes and, like, stuff like that. Like, kind of SimCity style. Um, so I did, like, a bunch of those. Um, I did actually did some work on the animation to try to make it, um, like look better. Mm-hmm. Um, did a lot of UI. Um, I can't remember all the details. It was so long ago, but I was definitely playing the game a lot, making suggestions. You know, I was kind of like, uh, a little bit of, a little bit of a prickly employee because I was like, I didn't really like how they were running the company. Mm-hmm. Like they, I felt like they were like not nice to their employees and I was like, fighting for the for the man right or whatever against like fighting the man yeah Yeah. in what way were they not being nice um i guess enough time has passed now it's like (laughs) it's fine (laughs) they just were they just were like they just weren't good to their employees you know i just have to admit they weren't like i don't know if they they were just like too harsh on yeah just like pushing pushing yeah pushing too hard and like you got to work more do this you know mandatory crunch right um we're not going to take your ideas. This all comes from the top. You're just going to do it and you're going to do more of it and just do what I say. So they weren't looking for feedback from employees? I mean, maybe just not my feedback. I don't know. They just It wasn't like a creative, it wasn't like a place to like be co-create, co-creators. co okay. Did you, you know?
1: try? Like, Were there some things about the game you yeah. wanted to change?
0: And you yeah, I definitely wanted. Like but
1: I mean, they didn't hire me for that either. Sure, yeah, I understand. So they probably, but Did yes, you, I had major things I wanted to change. Could you talk about the things you think Maybe you would like to see go differently with that game?
0: I mean... where it went? I think I just, like... Um, I mean, it certainly wasn't balanced. It was just like... You know, I don't, I don't think I really remember the details. I just remember... I think I was mostly against how they ran the company. It was okay. less about the game and more about how they ran the company. Because they were my friends. And they were... I felt like they were, we were all being mistreated. Right. And I did not keep my mouth shut. And it actually got me fired. Oh, okay. So, which yeah. was great. <laughs> which
1: was great. Oh, my God. It was so great. How, how exactly did that come about happening? You oh, correct? my
0: gosh. It was really bad. Yeah. It was like, first they started, um, well, I'm, we may have to cut this part. I'm okay. not sure if we should or not. But, yeah, we'll talk, we'll talk about it. But, basically, they would, like if they didn't like something that someone was doing, they'd like pass a new policy and the new policy would be clearly targeting one person. That specific person. Yeah. It'd be like handed out like, here's a piece of paper and it goes (laughs) on every single person's desk. And it was like one person would be like, that's for For me. me. (laughs) It doesn't affect anyone else. It's like, what? Yeah. Um, and then that was when, um, like, I guess, uh, forums had, was uh, like, there were a couple forums. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't even want to mention their names, but they were like, where pla- places where employees would gripe about things. Are you talking about fat babies? I am. <laughs> I, remember I fat am. Babies. I can, I couldn't. I remember it was baby something. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And of course, someone had posted something up there, and it like they all thought it was me. Oh, really? And they just took it out on me. Okay. And, and it think, wasn't you. I don't think. I I, I honestly don't even remember. I okay. don't think it was. Okay. It's, I certainly wasn't the only one. If it was me. Yeah. But I don't really remember the details because it was. You know, it's just—it's actually kind of a traumatic time because I loved the game, I love the game and the team so much yeah. that like I didn't want to fall apart. I wanted to—I wanted to work better. Sure. So, and we were just really there's just a lot of miserable people there. Yeah. And then people started going on the forums, and I don't—I certainly wasn't the first one. I might have jumped in. I can't really remember. But of course, that kind of style of management hated. Oh sure. Hated dissent. Yeah. Well, that's
1: why those sites existed. You know. Like, yeah. Uh, it's kind of weird because it is. I mean, Now, everything's just kind of so much more in the open, you know. It's true, like Twitter is just a giant, steamy it's thing basically it. that it happens like all the time. But like, Fat Babies was just the industry was small enough that you could read all of it, essentially. It was all there, wasn't and, it? And it was kind of this thing of like, oh, there's crap happening at these other companies, too. yeah. And it kind of knitted the industry together in this weird way, you're right. You know? Um, and I was at Fraxis at the time, and I, we did we only, we only had a few things that came out, did you? Yeah. On Fat Babies, but mm-hmm.
0: like, uh. But yeah, it was, a, it was a weird thing. Like, did you see what what someone posted so, last yep, yep. night? And you're like... And then next thing you know, you come to the office and the, the doors are blockaded. Like, right. no one's allowed into the office because management is sweeping all the computers to try to figure out who posted. Oh, really? Wow. Like, people would post it from their work computer. Yeah, you right. know, like, it was just this weird... It was just like a really messed up environment, yeah. you know?
1: Man, and you could tell what the bad company. And the one thing I said about Babies is you could tell what the bad companies were. Really? Well, yeah. because you'd see yeah. so much, you know, like it's one of these where there's smoke, there's fire... Yeah, exactly. Yeah, right? I mean, you're right. You know, yeah. just...
3: I, I am new to the whole thing, but I feel like the games industry has this way of going about things much faster than any other industry like we are hmm. talking about the 2000s yes, yeah 20 years later we we still have these uh, uh, these phenomena in this type of management but it's becoming less and less and very much more exposed yeah. and a lot more people pushing against it yeah. like um, and also like the industry is recognizing how healthy it is to take into consideration ideas ideas from the team ideas from the community if your game is on early access like there's a whole level of appreciation that probably around then didn't exist. But yep. it started the process. Yep. So you got fired for it. Yep. And uh, that's because they thought you were the one who posted or because you continued pushing?
0: I think I just kept pushing. Yeah. Like it was just really clear I didn't belong there. It right. was it's clear that like I need to make my own game at that point. Like and I had actually that was when I started working on a mod. So the mod scene okay. had just Popped up out of nowhere. Right. I mean, Counter Strike was a couple of years before, but it was like we were all playing Counter Strike One Six at the office, like right. nonstop. And I think I knew that I just like you know, I've been making my own games already, like yeah. on and off. Like I just need to go do it. I'd saved up like forty thousand dollars, and I'm like, this is my fu money. Like I can just go do this right now, right. and like. So I had started working on it just in the background with my friend Corey. He's someone I worked with there as an art director. He's actually still our art director at Unknown Worlds today. Oh, wow, great. Yeah, it's awesome. been over 20 years. Yeah. Um, we had start, started working on a mod and- A mod for? For Half-Life.
2: Okay.
0: Yeah, it was like, um, we just started working on it, like I think in the summer of 2000 and then everything blew up at Stainless and they, you know, they fired me and then I was like, okay, well now I got to prove to like my boss and everyone and myself that I'm like not a bad person slash that I can make a game. Right. Like that I am right, you know, which is right. like a terrible motivation, but that's kind of what it felt that like. motivation. It was a huge <laughs> motivation. Oh my gosh. And I can just, I actually can just thank them so wholeheartedly, like deeply because it gave me the power to go make my own game. Right. Which like started my real career after that. Right. So I basically um yeah, I locked myself in my room for 18 months and I just I spent all my money and I like did not leave. I, I mean I went I remember like the days that I would go out would be to get a release new versions of the game like on Fridays and I remember to celebrate. I would like go across the street and get Thai food and then come back to my my <laughs> my room wow. and eat my food, always the same dish, and like watch the feedback. So it's like wow. It was just insane, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm collaborating with a group of people online that I didn't know. Yep. Corey was just somehow doing a little work outside of work hours, but like everyone else was just like, you know, we had like 10 people, level designers and sound designers and just had started a distributed team. Yep. And I had actually started early access at that point too because uh, before I was working on it full time, I started releasing like, here's a Word document describing how the levels are gonna be laid out and why. Right. You know, that's all it is. Go, can someone just start making levels? I'm like, no, but at least they had a document. Yeah, and yeah, yeah, Two weeks later, here's a texture pack that Corey made. All these gorgeous, like, like the nicest textures. They were better than Half-Life textures, I would say. They're beautiful, hand-painted. Hey, here's everything you need, plus this level design document. Now can any, here, here's the FGD file, the entity description. So you just plug it into Hammer, which is, um, you know, WorldCraft, whatever it is, I think what it's called now. Can anyone make levels now? Hey, I saw your thing. Um, can I join your team? Yes. Yes. <laughs> They're on the team. Yep. Like some of
1: those people are still working with us. That's awesome. Like many of them. Okay, yeah, let's talk about it. so is this was this natural selection? This is natural
0: selection okay. one. Yep. So where was the initial idea for the game? So back at Cognitoy, where I was working on Mind Rover, which is the programming robot game, Yep. I remember some of us wanted to play shooters and some wanted to play RTS games. <laughs> well, that's,
1: that's the perfect starting sentence for, that's for, it. For, for natural selection. Okay. Yep.
0: Like why can't we have a game that we can all play together?
1: Right. Yeah. And Can't, ste- we Can't we all just get along? Can not we all just get
0: along? Oh, the 2000s <laughs> when you could that with, that's all you needed to make a game. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like and uh so I wanted to and for me like I like deep games, right? right. Probably like you. Like yeah. you like you don't want to play like the more typical lighter fare. You want like the really rich, the really meaty stuff. So like I love shooters, but I wanted something with a lot more meat. Right. So that's where the strategy layer came in. Yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, it's interesting also. I mean, you Sometimes with games, when you start them, you're trying to solve a specific problem, right? Like there's this game, mm-hmm. I think I don't like about it, so I'm going to do this. So your your specific problem was literally just, I want to get people who want to play shooters in our yep. text games to be able to play together.
0: Yep. Cool. All right. And tribes tribes had laid the groundwork. Right. Because, you know, tribes let you do like the laser pointer to like call, like one person points at a place, which gives them the exact aiming coordinates for their mortars. Mm-hmm. So it's like yep. kind of like coordinated. Um... Like, it was so exciting, I'm like, this could go so much farther. Like, we could have a resource model in a shooter. Right. Boom! And a tech tree. Boom! Like, this would be so great. And we'll have a commander who's playing top-down. Everyone else is playing first-person. So easy. It'll be great. And it wasn't easy, but... Um, and, like, talk about stressful game. Um, like, the commander role was ultra-stressful. Right. And the games were, like, 40 minutes long. So, like, when you're done playing commander, you kind of need to go take a break. Right. Um, And to build the game, you were kind of able to
1: build on top of the Half-Life multiplayer system. Yep. the same way they would have built Team Forge, presumably. Right. You got it. Um, And okay, so how did how did how did design work (laughs) like early
0: on? I mean, I remember writing. I remember uh, starting with the music. Um, Okay. Weirdly, I had convinced Jeremy Soule to make a track for us. Really. Of all people, and he did. Mm -hmm. Bless him. He just deposited an amazing track. Actually, sorry, I started with the Icewind Dale music, I remember. Right. And I remember just, like, I was in, like, my, like, dreaming of future games mode where I, like, close my eyes and I can hear it and see it and I'm thinking about what I'm feeling. And, and I just, like, I'm imagining, like, okay, when you start the game, there's no menu. You're in a what we call a ready room. So you're in, like, on a spaceship and there's doors and you can walk through the doors and depending on what you walk through, it, like, chooses your class. And then when you're done playing the game, you come back to the ready room and you want to spectate, you can, like... Crawl up a ladder up into a little hole and then now, now you're spectating. This just is like super immersive way to look at, again, the experience of a playing a shooter. Mm-hmm. You know, like let's do something new and cool. Um, so I started with the red room. Like I had team doors with the signs above them and like they're themed and I'm like, okay, now we have got that working. Got the music. Um, okay, now we need aliens and humans and they're going to be really asymmetric and kind of very StarCraft influenced. Right. Kind of Terran Zerg. Um, and I remember writing, um, you know, I'd have like really short documents. There'd be like, here's, here are the feelings that I want in the game. Um, here's a description of what, what it might be like to play. I wrote like a two page story of what the game might be like, if you'd written it as a story, um, and I would just share that stuff like on our forums and with the team and try to get them excited about it. It's very high. I mean, I've never really been on a mod team. Mm-hmm. I, I just kind of jumped in the
1: industry right away and just right. kept going. But like, that sounds very high level. Like, is that, yeah. is that typical or like, you're talking about like, the feelings as opposed to like someone just be like, I'm just going to start building this
0: thing. I mean, probably, I mean, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I was building it at the same time. sure So I would like, I'd have those documents and I'd be like, and here's the next version you can play. yeah So I was like constantly putting out new versions. So they were, it wasn't, it might've been abstract, but I don't think it was abstract for long.
1: Yeah. I guess I'm curious, like which part, what, what was the thing that kind of pulled people into the project? Like how did you start developing I, the following?
0: I think having Corey's artwork. Okay. Like when we, when level designers got their hands on his artwork and they posted screenshots, I mean, it just looked so much better than Half-Life. You couldn't even believe it. Right. Like back then it was like, you know, mind blown. Um, and so people, we'd just post on planet Half-Life and on forums and people it would just, it started to gather steam, you know, right. like people would just join the team or like they'd submit their screenshots and we would write to them and say, Hey, this looks even better. Like, do you want to join? And people would be presenting us with like near finished levels. Before right. the game was really, before they even had the game. Right. Like, I remember there's one level called Bast. Um, that guy was, like, such an incredible, uh, Relic25 was his handle. And he's like, the most incredible level designer. Like, he just blew everyone's minds. Mm-hmm. I don't know if he went on to work on other things. But, like, we didn't even have to change that level. Like, it was, right. I mean, it was, all, for all intents and purposes, complete before we even had the game working. So you built a system
1: in place that kind of allowed for this decentralized de- development. I mean, I mean, yeah. <laughs> super, de- like usually yeah. that just means like, oh, people kind of work at their own pace, but this is yeah. like someone that you've never even met or talked to could suddenly just show up yeah. and have something ready for you.
0: Have something that would be at least workable. Like that's really unique. It's really weird. I mean, it was part of the FGD, just that entity description, you know, like this open source nature, not open source, but like open nature of uh, hammer, the right. level editor tool. There's so much knowledge in the community for that tool. People already had forums where they're sharing stuff, and um, yeah, I don't know, I guess. Also, the the bar for quality, you know, the quality bar for games was lower. Sure. So it's not like it had to play perfectly, right. or even be that balanced. It just had to be like pretty good and unique, yeah. which it was. Yeah.
1: The, um, and, but let's talk, so let's talk about the game itself. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, like, how did it start out and how did it end up? Like in terms of like how it played.
0: I mean, it's basically like Aliens, the video game. Right. Pretty much how I think of it. Um, I was obsessed with Aliens. I've always been into James Cameron. He's like my total role model. Hmm. Um, and yeah, I just uh, would basically watch Aliens every day. Right. Sure. <laughs> not I'm not kidding. Yep. If my energy was low, I'd turn on Aliens. Yeah. And I'd just like get inspired by something. Right. And I'd work on that thing.
1: And the the, the gameplay was, you know, you know. Players were playing the Marines. You got basically. it. Basically. And players
0: were playing the aliens
1: also. And players were playing the aliens. Yeah. And the RTS, explain how the RTS okay. starts to fit into it.
0: So yeah, there's a commander. On, yep. uh, only on the Marine side, because okay. let's make it really asymmetric. <laughs> right. <laughs> there's a commander for the Marine side, and they're basically spending their team resources to drop uh, resource nodes around the, around the map. But of course, they can't just build them up. They can't just auto build. The Marines have to go over and actually physically build it and of course protecting it and then once it's built it's generating team resources which you can use to like upgrade stuff you can build basic uh, build uh, structures at your base those have upgrades on them they are lost if the base is destroyed if that building's destroyed right it's literally like a full rts right but so like, it's like yeah, an RTS and
1: you put down a building you see little guys come yeah. and build it so little except guys the, are the people are humans people. building it yeah yeah did that work out as well in practice yeah, it did okay I mean, I'd be afraid it sounds like, you know, it's like, it's like, okay, that sounds cool. But like actually going to like hammer on a building for a while might get a little boring.
0: So what was fun about it, what really worked and this like stumbled on it is that when you're, you know, it's like, it's a creepy environment, right? It's sci-fi. There's a lot of creaking, like, you know, uh, like ventilation shafts and you can hear like, it's like water dripping. It's super like ambient. So if you're, if you go up to a resource tower and like you're by yourself and you know, you need to build this, you... You basically hold down your use key and your weapon disappears and you're staring at this thing and you're watching the progress bar go up and you're still hearing (laughs) stuff around (laughs) you. And you know that if something jumps, there's like these ventilation shafts where the aliens can pop out of. There's basically like two maps. There's the main map where all the humans and all the big aliens can go. And then there's a second network of all the vents and the vents are like spider webs they are all like ambush spots and, and only the smallest, most common alien can use them and they can run on walls.
3: This reminds me of a game where uh, they were, the kids were talking about it, where like you're playing as a ghost and if you move away, like you're, you're looking into a space and if you move away, you hear like, Oh yeah, oh, blank name.
1: Phantasmagoria mm-hmm. or whatever that game is. Oh. That's oh. come out. That, is, that, is that the name of the super old game? But That's the old one, yeah. Yeah, it's a new game. I, can, I can't... It's, but yeah, it's... Um,
2: oh, boy,
1: yeah, it's
3: like you're focusing on what you're doing right now, but in your head you're also worried that you might get attacked in your hearing. It sounds really it similar.
0: Yeah. Oh my god, this is
3: so stressful. It's tense.
0: It's really <laughs> tense. And,
3: and they don't have the most stressful role. That's the commander. Oh right?
0: no, that's nothing. All they got to do is build stuff in aliens. <laughs> And then yell for equipment like I need ammo because of yeah, course yeah. you know I wanted the bind between the the commander and the marines, so it's like they need to be you know that it's really weird. The commander actually reloads, gives extra ammo for the soldiers, right? Because I wanted a micro. I I knew from playing so much StarCraft that you you basically to keep people interested in long term, you needed a high skill curve, like a high like an infinite amount of skill. So you needed skill to be able to improve how you how you performed.
3: How many people did you need to play the game?
0: Uh, is best for 12, 6 for on two. 6, or and 5 on 5 could work, Let's just too. say
3: uh, I finished building. Yeah. You know, that is, is it timed where everyone is finished at the same time?
0: So everyone that is helping build is like adding to the progress. Okay. So if you have like 4 people there, okay. you build You're it in like a second. Okay. Yeah, so like, of course, squads know this, but... And then you move on to... So then they're like, basically, so the aliens are building as well. So you're kind of like moving into the alien territory and you can see these these gooey structures being plopped down and they're building them, too. So you're like shooting those and trying to capture and take your own nodes. And so there's, it's a really tight interplay between fighting and building, but the stressful part comes from, you know, you, I wanted the commander to be able to improve the, the Marine's performance. Mm-hmm. so. They re- they can the commander can actually reload an, uh, a soldier's weapon okay. live mm-hmm. by dropping a med pack or a, a ammo pack exactly on them at the right moment. It'll just reload their gun. So and same with health packs. So like if they're hurt, they can he can actually re heal them and expend resources to heal them. So it's like very. Captain, uh, Commander, I need like I need ammo. They're always like yelling to sure, each yeah, other yeah, up yeah. and down between them, which is like super stressful. But so also you said at the right cool. moment.
3: So if they if they drop it not at the right moment, can yeah. the alien grab it?
0: No, because they're compl- They don't even have guns. Okay. They're like fighting stuff. stuff. They're like throwing goo balls but it and. It would just It would just stay there. It would okay. after like eight seconds, it would disappear. Okay. But it's wasted resources at that point. Yeah. so You want to pick it up? Mm-hmm. So was it was it balanced in the sense that like. Because presumably, obviously, the commander
1: makes the humans better, right? Yeah. And But then the aliens have they have these secret passageways, and they have, like, you know, yeah. how, how, did it, how did it work together?
0: I mean, the aliens also, they had, uh, there's one type of alien that could build mm-hmm. like, from the ground for them. It's called the Gorge. It's like right. this chunky, like, pig-like animal alien. And it would, like, create structures on the ground that all the other aliens would protect them. They'd get healed by them, or they'd be, like, spike turrets. Or they would be if you had each one that you created would give a new kind of upgrade that you could choose right. for your own self. So there'd be like if you build a defensive chamber, then all the aliens could choose one defensive upgrade that they could customize for themselves. Right. If they lose a the defensive chamber, they lose their upgrade. If you build more defensive chambers, it like levels up your upgrade. So there was like some level of like it was like a really light tech tree on the alien side. Um, and I think what worked really well from it, I think the atmosphere was great. Um, I think, I mean, it was pretty It was pretty innovative, I will say. Like we hadn't seen, there were like one or two other games that were like thinking in this direction, the RTS FPS combo. The bad side, of course, is that we basically had to build two games. Right,
1: yes. Yeah, so I was gonna, <sighs> yeah, I wanted to kind of get to that because it seems like, this is a very blunt way of asking, yeah, it, yeah. like how did the heavy commander make the
0: game better? I probably didn't. <laughs> really? I probably did. Probably probably made it worse. Really? Yeah. Okay. I mean, it made it. It was a cool experience. Like you'd never experienced that before. You may not want that experience all the time, but like you know, if you're on the ground, you're gonna blame your ca- your commander for bad play. Like, why didn't you give me a shotgun? I, we just needed shotguns. But yep. they can't really know that the commander saw other stuff and was just you, they just can't keep track of everything. Right. There's multiple squads. There's. They're scanning, so they have like the—I The, cap, the I keep saying captain because that's the new game. Um, commander is um, can see stuff that the soldiers can't see. Right. So, like, they—and they, they just—yeah, you can't—basically, each side's going to blame the other. Yeah,
1: and you're not really aware of why the commander's making decisions. No. And even if it works out, you may not realize that they made a smart
0: decision. You, right? They may sacrifice you so right. this other team can, like, push you <laughs> and kill an alien hive. Yeah. And then you respond. You're frustrated. Yeah, there's a reason
1: grunts are called grunts.
0: Right? Exactly, like, <laughs> which I thought was a cool. I like that, but you know, it's not for everyone. That's for sure.
3: So you said that the aliens are also players. So you, yes. you are playing against other players. Yes, yes, And there's a commander on the side of the aliens.
0: So there isn't. That's what's even weird. Because I wanted. Mm-hmm. I was really into asymmetric games as soon as I saw right. Starcraft. I guess. Uh, so they don't have a. They don't have a commander. So do people prefer one side or the other? to no. be except no. women preferred aliens I did notice that really interesting very <laughs> clear huh any theories I think part of it was they didn't see themselves represented on the human side okay I sure. think we did have women actually it's I think we did add women there I know we did for n s two I can't remember if we did for ns one I don't think we did and it was very like macho and like you know, <laughs> like, you know like I got you' yeah I got you yeah yeah, yeah. 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 so there's like and the aliens were like, they had really different movement modes. Like, one, right. one could run on the walls. One could, like, slither and slide. One could fly. One could teleport. One was like a giant, like, rhino. Who
3: doesn't like, want to be an alien? See? Be, right? There we
0: go. But, right. like, yeah. I
1: don't know. Like, see? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Was, was there ever an issue with, I always assume these games have issues with, like, balance for who wants which role, right? Because only one person yeah. supposed to be the commander. Yeah. Like, how did that. Everyone
0: thinks that. When they first start playing and then it was it really flipped around the opposite like who who will get in the captain's chair because it's too stressful yeah and then the game can't get can't start right sure and the victory condition conditions uh basically kill the enemy command station or hive okay so the aliens were growing hives around the map and the the marines were basically trying to either they're basically trying to kill the hives yeah 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 so I've had a game
1: idea that I've been like always been the way in the back of my mind because yeah. I'll probably never get a chance to work on this. But you're kind of uniquely positioned to like, yeah. like give me some thoughts on this. Sure. But like I've also always been interested in asymmetric design. Yeah. And like, you know, you know, can an RTS and a, you know, can, can the characters in RTS be real, right? And yeah. the way I would think to do it would be not not two different sides of players. But, like, one side is the the soldiers, and the other side is, like, the evil genius or whatever hmm. with the island. Oh, and he's, yeah, yeah, And his his units are all just AIs. Yeah, right? yeah. Like, like, he's like, I'm going to send some troops over here. I like that. And, of course, there's going to be a lot of troops because it's great for them to kill, yeah. you know, lots of troops. It's great for them to have lots of, Absolutely you know, fodder. Con- cannon fodder to kill Yeah, them. And, yeah. That, and the you know, the the, the the commander who's on the other side, they put down traps and they put down defenses and they put down, yeah. you know, they, they do all that, that RTS stuff, but then they're being killed by heroes coming yeah. on the other side. Yeah, I um, like that. So, like I felt like,
0: you know, I'll never I'll probably never be able to do this, but it feels like yeah. that could be interesting. I think that would work a lot better. I mean, or there's other ways to do it too, but I think I personally wouldn't want to make the top down and first person game again I mean, just because. I mean, I think we could do it better this time, but I. It is making it's the scope is so big. Right. Even as a mod, it was a lot bigger. I think I. I mean, once I saw Overwatch, I'm like, oh wow! Like you can get so far with classes. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Like. That was kind of like, damn it! We just should have had. We just should have leaned into classes. Yeah. Because well, we, we did it. We did it for the aliens. We just didn't do it for the marines. Yeah.
1: I mean, having doing a full top down game, like it just it's like there's got to be like a very specific reason how that's going to make the game different, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, and not just for the person playing it. Yeah.
0: Because otherwise, right?
1: you know, what's 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 the point exactly? True.
0: Um, I think we, it could also work if it wasn't, if they weren't, like, interlocked so deeply. Like, we actually moved away. So we actually made Natural Selection yeah. too, mm-hmm. And we actually kind of took it a couple steps away. Like, um, I'm trying to remember all the details now. But, like, you know, you could you could buy your own equipment as a, as a soldier in NS2. Like you mm-hmm. could go, the, com- the commander would choose which, one, which upgrades are researched. Like they could research shotguns, but Marines could go buy their own shotguns. Right. So it was like kind of the same idea. It was preserving the strategy, but giving you some agency for the people on the ground. So right. that was, so if I did it, if we wanted to do it again, I think we just like make sure players had their full agency. Right. And then the bonus on top of that was like, Oh wow, I got like air support from the sky. Right. Or realizing oh that ship that was just that just showed up was built by someone in logistics in the next server over. That right. they like got the resources here and like built that and landed it here. Like it's all it's all positive. Yeah. Make it all positive. Yeah. Yeah. It feels like this is something that's very much like this is sort
1: of a orthogonal uh, way to describe it, but it reminds me of like AI people talk a lot about how what's super important is not that your AI algorithms are good. I mean, that's important, but that it communicates what it's thinking to the player, you know, like the, the, Mm. the canonical example is always like, like, I'm throwing a grenade, like literally half the guys say that. <laughs> so they're like, oh, or they're, they're like, look out, they're coming. You know, like they literally are just, they're very vocal about like what decisions they're making right. when that happens. So you're like, you're aware of yeah. what the guy is doing. It's not, you're not just like guessing or like, yeah. you know, kind of like making up. And it seems like there might be something similar here where it, you need to really make visible to the, the other players what the commander is doing. Oh my gosh! So yeah. like you're, you see how it is impacting your game. Right, that'd and be that's, so much better. That's, I mean, that's that's tricky. Yeah. But you really have to design that in from the very beginning. And yeah. we talked
0: about having a light show up so mm. you can see when the cap the camera was nearby. In. Yeah. That would help because mm-hmm. then you could see if they're not here, you know, yeah. like you're not going to ask for ammo necessarily if they're not nearby. But also, if they start researching something, it'd be really cool if you could tell that they did that. Yeah. As opposed to just it radio silence, which yep. is what natural selection does. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
3: Mm. Oh, so. listening to this, I'm like. You know, I never would have thought two years ago that I'm into stressful games until you mm. just start looking back at games you play. And then until you play something like Overcooked mm. with oh children. God. It is stressful. <laughs> but yeah. it's true. Like if yeah. you're going to play something stressful, you need yeah. it for a short period of time. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, Overcooked is actually too stressful for me. <laughs> I kind of just don't. And I'm fighting the UI the whole time. Can we just like break that down? Can Can the people who are making over overcook please fix the stupid targeting? <laughs> am I Am I the one person the targeting on trying to choose you mean, what oh, you're pointing you like, at? You
1: mean like you you end up putting your thing in the wrong spot? Yeah. yeah, yeah, It is
0: so broken. I don't know what I. It feels completely broken to me. Like it's. Uh, it's I never
1: thought it was touchy. broken. I guess I assumed it was like an unsolvable problem, but like because like you got to point, you can only put your thing down in one place, so. You cannot
3: like, put it in a corner either.
0: Yeah. But I think I think the. As you're orienting, uh-huh. I think it either like I'm trying, to, I'm trying to remember now what the exact problem is.
1: I mean, for sure, I often put stuff down in the wrong place. So. And they might, say
0: a, they might say it's a feature, not a bug. Uh, I guess because so. it's hilarious. I mean, <laughs>
1: That's true, I suppose. I was like levels where like the rat comes out and grabs the food that you drink. like nah!
2: no. no. <laughs> I'm like,
0: I feel like it's just, like, I don't know if it's too touchy or if, like, if the way you rotate is too fast or it's, like, it's not linear. So, like, yeah. if I move up, there's, like, an acceleration and then all of a sudden it goes too fast. There's just something. So, there is
1: there is something to this of, like, like game feel something that's super underrated. That like, there are yeah. games that get this stuff right where they're yeah. able to figure out your intention more than yeah. what you actually do. Yes. Um, and I'm not sure how much they have actually tried to do that or not, but I could definitely see that maybe that's something they could, <laughs> they could work on. I
0: feel like they just... they they botched that up and they they might have noticed and they might not have but it like it led to such hilarious mm. encounters that it's worth it yeah. But it just it just makes me really. That's angry.
1: tricky as a designer because sometimes it becomes the story you tell about why yeah. your game succeeds. Like, oh our True. game succeeds because we have these opportunities for players to just ruin the games for True. themselves. Which maybe, but also maybe people don't like it when they put their stuff in the wrong place. And I think there's already enough going on at Overcooked. Frankly. There's so much.
0: Yeah, <laughs> <And laughs> You can see all the crazy stuff. Yeah. You don't yeah. need to add invisible crazy stuff. <laughs> Anyways. Uh, it's funny, I guess I don't get to talk about like this kind of like design stuff too often, because usually Usually I'd be like really exhausted having just talked that much, but I'm like not exhausted at all.
1: So <laughs> it's funny. No, this it's is why these, these talks can go on for a long time. Yeah. Because um and, and it sometimes makes people rethink things. Yeah. Like, you know, yeah. when you're making tempers reflection one, yeah. Like you had no idea what you're doing. Really. Really. Oh, no, no. Right? No. Like you were just like, let's make no. this thing. <laughs> right? So you didn't yeah. have like a high level awareness of like, oh, you know, what, what is the purpose of the commander, right? Yeah. Like that's really the thing you should ask. I mean, I, well, I
0: actually did think about those things. Right. I really did, but I, I just didn't think it all the way through. I would be, I'd think it a little bit and then be like, okay, get to work. Right. And I'd put it in. <laughs> okay. Now what's the next thing? Yeah. I'd think it through a little bit, get to work. i would never like extend it. Okay. What, what about the future? What happens if this role isn't like, what if everyone wants that role? Yep. Or what if no one wants it? I never would go to the next, like the second order. Yeah. You know? which now I actually, before I like finish designing something, you know, before I start implementing it, I would actually, or if someone else implements it, I would actually think through what if, what if, what if, yeah. and make sure, oh yeah, this is totally broken for season two. Right. Like, I didn't even think about season two. So yeah, it's experience for you.
1: Yeah. Uh, I'd like to hear a little bit about the what was going on in sort of the business side here. Um, yeah. because this was like a mod. Yeah. Right. Like you had you you know, you'd got fired, you had yeah. some money saved up. Yeah. So you're like, okay, I'm gonna spend a year or two yeah. doing this thing, yeah. making weekly updates, which is amazing. Right? Yeah. Like I can I can see that's like could give you all this energy to like yeah. keep just doing this iterative thing. Iterative yeah. development is great. Yeah. But where was this project going? Like is this was this something that could be released, or like what was the plan? I mean, like, I knew I knew I was
0: gonna release it. Okay. Like I knew that I
1: and I just I don't even remember legally like Half Life did they have like a model
0: where anyone could come and so you could just release it. Um, There's no way to sell it, but there you could you could release it freely okay. for so anyone that owned Half Life could sure. play okay yeah right right. So it was like its own platform okay of so, like millions of players right.
1: So you were taking a couple of years off to make off make this thing yep. which you were releasing as you went yeah.
0: But you didn't necessarily have a plan to like so th- make money off of it so my. Um, yes. The, the, the stuff I was releasing was just like the tools. Okay. So I was releasing like to help recruit more people to join the effort. Right. Um, and maybe a little bit to get feedback. Although I wasn't really like big on feedback then. I, I was definitely like the, the like dictator of the game. Like I didn't really want to hear anything from anyone. I just had my, like get out of the way. I'm doing this, <laughs> okay. which I've learned a lot about. So right. I've learned yeah, not yeah. to do that anymore. Um, but I I just knew that I wanted a lot of people playing it. I think I I don't think I thought through the business, but I I definitely was thinking let's see. I don't know if I ever really formally thought, you know, if this is, if this free game takes off, like think of what could happen next. But I'm pretty sure that's what I believed. Like I'll make a free game, it'll it'll do really well, and I could go get investors or I could go do something else with it
3: once right. I've released
0: it. I don't, I never thought about it, but I know that in the back of my mind I want to do something, do something big. Right. And this is a way to do something big. It, you know, it's funny because that, that's actually a
1: pretty good approach. It is. And most people I think wouldn't consider it because nope. they'd be so obsessed over like I'm making this game and I'll never be for able free. to sell it. What's my plan? I this is stupid. <laughs> you yeah. know? But but the reality is, um, if you make a name for yourself or yeah. you you know you do something that 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 gives you attention that has value big time. Um, and then you can go do something with that. And we've seen that happen over and over I mean, and over, over and in and the over industry. It. I mean, you know, I mean you can, you can draw back like how many different versions could point to Fortnite of like yeah. someone making this thing off of something else. And then yeah. gave this huge opportunity, but someone else made this thing and like, it just keeps on, keeps on rolling. So yeah. how um, many
3: modders get snatched in the game industry to yeah. become, you know, designers. Yeah. In the Absolutely. Yeah.
0: Or they create a new genre. Like Counter-Strike, like look at, that was like a revolutionary right. l- revolution. Like, I mean, Min didn't make much money off of it, but like he made Counter-Strike. Yeah. And he got to go like build, he got funded to go build his own bigger games, yeah. you know? And I didn't know that then, and that was all later, but like, and of course League of Legends, that didn't happen sure. so much later. But I think I just knew that I wanted to do something big. Like we were talking a little bit about like, you know, what did you think you wanted to do in college before and like in my mind, I'm like, international relations, languages. I just kind of, knew. I just wanted something big. Like right. I just always wanted to be like worldly, Right. you know, do something that impacts the world. I I'd yeah. never thought about saving the world, but I just like want to bring stuff to the world. Yeah. And so you were doing something where you saw that every week there were more people active
1: and the thing was, was so was,
0: was, was the thing growing. is, so not really that, I mean, okay. I might've overplayed, might've overstated the iterative nature of it. Okay. I was releasing stuff way early. Uh-huh. I, I don't know if I had a real cadence for that. There was a big launch, like 1.0 launch. Okay. It was like suddenly the game is here. Okay, and, and before
1: it... that, before that, people, you, you laid out the blueprints for levels, but That's people right. couldn't actually play they couldn't the game. play the game. Wow,
0: there was no playing. It seems
1: impressive to me that people could care about something that they couldn't play.
0: I mean, Corey's artwork was yeah. like amazing. And
1: and probably the pitch of like RTS and FPS. I mean, they're like like, what gamers are like that chocolate and peanut butter man. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's true. It's it's it's, you know people. It's easy to get people sad about something that they already know they like, right? Yeah. Um. Okay.
0: They love StarCraft. They love Counter Strike. I mean, I don't know. It it wasn't a tough sell. Yeah, Yeah, yeah. And if you looked at Planet Half Life at that time, there were like tons of other mods, or like many other mods, but they were. Usually they weren't high quality because they yeah. didn't, no one, you know, people had, that were making them had never worked on anything. Right. But right. I would worked on a few games at that point.
1: So you guys stood out. And we, we stood started.
0: out. Right. Yeah, okay. we were like an anticipated, right. we were like, okay, we might so, have even been, been the most anticipated yeah. mod on Planet Half-Life before we launched.
1: Well, that leads to your question then. So when yeah. 1.0 came out, what happened?
0: Yeah. It blew up. Okay. I mean, for, for Planet half for that time, I and mean, we had like... Three, f- three to five thousand concurrence. Right, you know, like that was a That's really a big, for back then. that was a really big deal in two thousand two. Yeah, like really big deal.
1: I guess what I was saying though is yeah. up to that point, people yeah. hadn't been playing it. As- nope. And you were a dictator. Yeah. And so <laughs> this this is kind of the moment when usually someone's theories come face-to-face with reality. True. So were there any, inter- like, things there that stand to you? The game
0: was certainly not perfect. I mean, right. it definitely had, it also had performance issues. Like, we yeah. definitely had a bit of a rocky first week or two. Oh, probably more than a first week or two. Yeah. Probably, I guess yeah.
1: I, I'm interested. Was there, like, were there any things you realized from a high level?
0: of Like, oh, this assumption that I made. Oh, oh yeah, broad. tons. Okay. I mean, like, the whole commander idea, I think, was probably not. Right. I mean, the weird thing is, like, by doing that, we, we were insured, like, I don't know, hundreds of, probably around 300,000 players, right. like, were really into it. Yeah. But we pro- probably also insured that 3 million players would never be into it. Sure. You know, right. or, like, 30 million for sure. Yeah. So, it like, both helped us and held us back.
2: Yeah.
1: It
0: gave you a higher floor and a lower ceiling. That's seat. it. That's right. exactly it. And... I mean, launch day was such a thrill. You know, we like like treated it like a launch. I was yeah. doing interviews. We actually like I had a friend that ran an internet cafe in uh, in uh, Cambridge, so I actually like invited uh, people from the forums to show up. I have pictures I can show you. I actually just found them. The cafe was full. Right. Like it was just like everyone was there. Like I couldn't even believe it. It was like number one on number one mod that like like besides well, I think it was Counter Strike. I think Dave Defeat was out there still. I think Dave Defeat had already been launched, but we were like number three. Yeah, we were like definitely like the new hot mod. Right. Um, which was a total thrill. Like I absolutely loved releasing that, and just it was just so exciting to see all the servers like starting up and people talking, and it was just awesome and yep. seeing people. And I got to see people in real life play in the cafe. Yep, it's incredible. Yep. And there were like huge problems. Um, <laughs> and like. Yeah, the game wasn't super balanced. We, like, patched it like crazy. Um, did I did three ser- four server patches in the first, uh, I guess, probably two months. Mm-hmm. Some of them were pretty big. And they were, like, you know, uh, 101, 102, 103, 104. And then the the, the meme today is, like, NS 104 was still the best version. Okay. Because <laughs> then I did 2.0, which like changed a bunch of stuff, and uh-huh. people didn't like some of that stuff. And, yeah. and then I went to 3.0, and then I kept, I just kept at it. You know, I just kept making big, big, you know, map additions and adding modes and just adding, adding, adding.
3: Around that time, did you still think that you're not open to feedback?
0: I mean, I, I would, I would never have said that I wasn't open to it. I just think that I, I mean, I think on the team, I was not really like. Hey, what do you think about this? Like, do Mm -hmm. you think this assumption that I've made is like a good one? I would never, I never thought about saying stuff like that. Yeah. But I mean, I was definitely reading forums and trying to fix stuff that people didn't like. And, you know, I definitely was like open to feedback there. Yeah. Big time. It's just
3: like, it's fair to say that you knew what you wanted. You had a design in mind. You want to make it happen.
0: That's all I cared about. Yeah. I was going to like, I might have been a bit rough with people to make it happen. You know, like I hope I could ask people. I th- I mean, people, it's not like people left the team or anything. I just looking back, I'm like, Oh, was probably I just a little better. pushy. Yeah. It's probably just could have been a bit nicer and yeah. you know, Yeah. a little more humane, you know, just like, or human, I guess.
1: Yeah. Well, it's, it's, it is however, a different relationship because these are all volunteers, Yeah. Right? Which, true. which has different implications kind of on both sides. Like yeah. to one sense, they're giving more of themselves than Absolutely. an employee. And then on the other sense though, um, they don't there have to take it. To yeah. You know? And and also everything float everything flows to you. Like these projects yeah. never work if there isn't like yeah. someone who's gonna like filter everything together because yeah. otherwise it's just this unruly mess. Exactly. Yeah. Um, pretty yeah pretty much. Pretty
0: <laughs> much. Like got, yeah, ultimately responsible yeah. at the end of the day for all of it. So um you know, so the game came out, became yeah. popular, yeah you uh you know, you iterated iterated. Yeah. It didn't um, grow, it shrank. That right. was a real bummer. Yeah. I tried to make it grow for a long time and it never grew. Yeah. I mean, most games
1: don't grow. Yeah. Like period. Most games come out, they have a big, they have a big moment. And then there's this inevitable slide. Slide, And what you'll see nowadays with games is that's why they do, that's why they do a big updates. That's why they do DLC. That's why they do, do all these events because they, they know that like that's, it's almost like a natural law. Right? Yeah. There's there's a few exceptions, obviously. Yeah. Like something like among us, which is just sure. Probably a completely different trajectory. But the natural law of things is yeah, yeah true. big hit and then slow decline. Yeah. Um and okay, so you kept you know, you just kept working on it. But probably yeah. I guess at some point you're like, okay, this is slowing down, but also you needed to I was broke. Yeah, I was totally broke at that point. So what happened?
0: So launched the game. I want. I. I mean, I can't remember exactly the state of my finances around launch, but I wouldn't be surprised if I like hit zero right when we launched. It was around. You know, like I have to do this now. Um, I definitely was getting really low. Um, and I remember I started a donation program. Okay. Constellation. So anyone that played the game that that loved it could send me twenty bucks. Like Mm -hmm. literally. PayPal or like send me a $20 bill in the mail and that they would give me their steam ID and I'd keep it in a database and basically the, it would show like an icon next to their name when they play online as like a supporter supporter of the game. Mm -hmm. And I lived off that for like probably two years. Really? I mean, I made like less than $20,000 a year. Right. But like it was just enough. It was huge. Yeah. It was huge. Right. And right around that time, I, well, I knew that I wanted to keep working on it, but I kept like, I gotta make this grow. I want to make it grow. Like I just, I, like I was really happy with it, but at the same time it was, it definitely, there was some negativity with the launch. Like, I mean, I was excited. I'm so happy I did it. It was somewhat, some of the best times of my life. But at the same time, I kind of felt like I did want it to grow and it, I never could make it mm-hmm. and I wouldn't give up on it. You yeah. know? So I knew that, well, I also knew that I was like, loving making my own games and releasing them. Yeah. So I'm like, I got to do this. I got to make this a company now. Yeah. So I, let's see, that that was October, end of, that was Halloween of 2002. And then I moved back home to Vermont. Uh-huh. I, and I'm like, hey, mom and dad, can I just like live <laughs> with you for a few months while I save up some money? Yeah. And think about moving.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: And they're like, sure. And I stayed with them. And then, let's see, that's when... I'm trying to remember I was so saving up the constellation money to and I had I had realized okay I need to move to California I want to move to California I've been coming out here for game developers conference for a few years and every time I went back to Boston I'm like just felt like I don't belong here right. I need to be in the sun with like game devs and where people are building stuff and there's investors and I just wanted to be yeah I felt like I needed to change the hub yeah exactly. So, um, I moved to San Francisco, like, uh, maybe after eight months of living at home and I'm like, I'm going to make this happen. I'm going to find investors. And that, yeah, that was okay. a really difficult period. I basically spent a couple of years just like, I mean, that's actually when I came out when I realized, okay, okay this is like, I've been like in, rep- I've been in denial for like my whole life and right. it, it kind of came clear to me. I'm like, okay, I need to like focus on me for a little while. Right. I moved out here. I kind of didn't, I wasn't really working very hard at that time. I was just like enjoying being out here. Sure. Big change. It was a big change and it was like, I, I mean, I loved it. It was incredible. Um, yeah. It was like a whole new, whole new world for me. Um, and then, but I was like doing some contract work and I was trying to like get some investors interested I'm like, look, we got 300,000 players, you know, don't look at the, don't look at the trajectory on the numbers, <laughs> but like, we're going to, we're going to make a sequel. Yeah. Like, we can make a we're going to fund a sequel and build it. And that's also when I was trying to convince Corey, the art director, to join, mm-hmm. and my my good friend Max from Boston, who's now our my co partner at Known Worlds, trying to get them to come out. And it basically just it took a couple of years to really get anything moving. I was working on did some really terrible contract gigs. Um, I did a really cool contract gig on Roblox. Oh really? Um, okay. Which I told, I told the CEO to like Dave, David bazuki said like, don't make this game. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> it's not very good. <laughs> Can you
3: imagine like the first person who's going to hear uh, this podcast is uh, our son. We have twins. Really?
0: That's hilarious. And yeah. I
3: told you about him. He's yeah, a you big did. fan of yeah. yours. Like, he, like I just yeah. didn't even tell him we're going to be talking That's to you awesome. today, but I'm going to take a selfie later on, yeah. and text it to him. He's with yeah. my grandpa. And he's gonna probably listen to this yes. first. Like this is gonna be uh, my gift to him after GDC being away. Uh, and uh, now that you said that you worked on Roblox, it's like his brain. <laughs> I, didn't act, I didn't. I didn't actually don't... work on
1: Roblox.
0: I literally don't say like. Yeah. No, I didn't. You invented Roblox. You exactly. Invented That's what <laughs> <you did>. Let's <laughs> set the record straight. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I literally like consulted for like two days on it. I like okay. played it and like gave feedback, and like I. It's so hilarious. I was like kind of down on it. Like put okay. down on it. But it was also like 2003 or four. Yeah, like I, it was just I, a different experience. I then.
1: remember I saw a very early version of Roblox. Yeah, and I also was like, <laughs> why?
0: Why are you doing this? Yeah. Like I basically was like, this is don't gonna me, suck. Like I don't know. Like no creators can't use these tools. Right. And maybe it was good for, maybe because the tools really sucked back then. Yeah. And maybe I don't know. Who knows? I'm sure it didn't work. But anyway, they, who knows? They, I'm they, glad they didn't and cancel the project. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, they, um, they kept so anyone
3: okay. out there who's listening, Soren yeah. Johnson and Charlie Cleveland went against Roblox <laughs> and the right. and was out there to prove them wrong. Yeah, so and we also somehow
0: yeah. are, can be credited for the creation of it. Yeah, <laughs> somehow <I'm
1: not>. that's <laughs> for sure. That could, that,
0: yeah. that tracks. Yep. Yeah.
1: <laughs> uh, all right. So you were doing so kind of random contracts so that you could pay stuff. the rent, yeah. basically. But yeah. you were you were you know, doing what people do in this this area when they have a dream.
0: They, yeah. They, they, they try to. Try to meet people. Try to That's find it. investment. Yep. We'll, so flail around. Flail around. Make a casual downloadable game because it was the hotness in two thousand five. Okay. I like use the PopCap PopCap engine and made like a Sudoku game. Oh, you did? Huh. Yep. Okay. Which was actually pretty fun. Yeah. I enjoyed it. It was a quick project, like the fastest game I ever worked on. Yep. Um, actually, it's not totally true, but the Aquarium Fed was faster. But right. um, that made it made its money back, but like right. it didn't really go anywhere and. Yeah. Um, like, I was definitely out of my element, but mm-hmm. I was like also reading a lot of business books, mm-hmm. so I actually learned a lot. I feel like I, I don't know if you can really learn a lot from business books or not, but I felt like I learned a lot. Um, eventually got Max to join. Uh, he moved out to San Francisco. We started working on like the tech for Natural Selection 2, okay. and he's... Max is a monster, like in the right. bet, like programming.
1: Now when you say you got an enjoyment, joint, you, you still didn't have any money at the time. That no, right?
0: although Max actually put some money into the company okay. and we got Equilibrium, so he's an equal partner. Right. Um, and so we did have a little money at that point, not much. Right. Um. And then... And this meant now you had to build a game from scratch. Yep. Right,
1: because you to wanted to be able to sell it.
0: Yep. Yeah. And instead of licensing the source engine, why don't we just make our own engine, which is what we did. Just wrote our own engine. Max did. Yeah. is because he's a beast. Wow. Um, And it took a really long time. Yeah. So he started running an engine. We were like giving demos to occasionally to investors. Uh, We actually got uh, maybe like 250K. It was our series A. Which was enough to get an office. And we had like four, four employees. And we're just making a giant shooter. Like a multiplayer shooter. And it took start to finish. I mean, I moved out. Let's see. So NS1... Launched uh, October of two thousand two. NS two launch, launched launched. Oh, I'm sorry, Halloween of two thousand two. NS two launched Halloween of two thousand twelve. Wow. Okay. It's ten years to the day. That's a long road. Yep. Wow. A lot of ups and downs. A lot of almost going out of business moments. Uh, we did. You must have gotten some other investment. We did. Okay. We did. Um, we did. So we got our Series A with um, a couple of angels. We did a series B right during the economic downturn, which was miserable. Yeah. Uh, we basically almost went out of business. We had to like double down with our, we spent our last dollars on that and like took a really, really bad deal, um, but it kept us going. And then Perfect World showed up in 2011 and they, they funded us for the rest of the game and bought the company. And um, let's see, we did, oh, we also did crowdfunding. So that was a big part of it. Oh, you did. Yeah, that wouldn't have been before Kickstarter, right? So, it, that's the very good. So the month before Kickstarter launched, <laughs> it was literally like May. I think Kickstarter was May of two thousand eight nine. Mm-hmm. It was like March of that. We were like, "Hey, why don't we just like sell the game before it's out?" Sure, right. We got fans. <laughs> they wanted the game. You can buy the game for twenty bucks, or you got buy the game for forty bucks, and we'll do a constellation thing. So if you pay, pay forty bucks, you get the, you look really cool when you play as a marine right. in game. Get yeah. this special armor. We made hundreds of thousands of dollars like instantly. Okay. It was like really, it was amazing. So was what you're
1: telling me is you also invented Kickstarter. Yep, I told them not to make it, and then
0: I <laughs> take credit for it. Yeah,
1: <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Okay, We're kind cool. of. Well, that's that's really impressive, because yeah. that means that people have been following you for a long time. Yeah, they followed us.
0: They were on our form. We, I maintained. I literally myself maintained. I think I did it all back then. Apologies if it was someone else that I forgot about. Um, like I was in touch with the fans. Right. Like so we maintained our forms. So the site never went down for like a decade. Right. So community management was like a, pillar a huge of your part of it. Company. So you had like a huge spreadsheet
3: of, of people who supported you and yeah. Yeah. Yep.
0: Mm-hmm. And we we always we we tried to treat them as well as we could. I mean, there were some technical issues along the way that we didn't always weren't always able to do it. Like we supported the constellation badges from NS1 showed up in NS2. You know, we did the special marine black armor. Um but like we I was just on the forums. We were we were actually doing like we had like some really popular YouTube videos. I really wish we kept up kept mm-hmm. up with that. We did vlog style, like here's Corey talking about a piece of concept art. And like we got nothing to show you, but we're gonna talk for 20 minutes about that. Um and we got a lot of views. I, I really wish we'd come yeah. further with that. So from a design point of view, 10 years
1: is a long time. So oh, yeah. what, I mean, a big part of it obviously is we need funding, we need it to build biz- a new It was all business incident. and tech. Yeah. Uh, I, mean, were there thing, I mean, were there big yeah. things you wanted to change design-wise about the game? Or so the, the
0: biggest one was um, bringing the commander over to the to the aliens. Okay. Which I still don't know if it was a good decision or not. I mean, ultimately, I just wish I made the whole thing class-based. Right. Or we had made the whole thing class-based. But, um... I don't really think we truly learned the, le- the lessons from NS1, but the trick was I knew that we couldn't just change the game radically, right? Like because we're going to lose all of our NS1 fans. Right. I don't know if I had put it together that those those uh, decisions we had made in NS1 were going to hold us back for NS2, but I think I just knew that we were, we, could, we could make some changes, but we, we couldn't make much. Yeah. So we That's basically hard, refined,
1: I mean, the refined, the refined it. The fact that you had that many people ready to crowdfund you. Yeah. It's a sign that you were living with them and the fact Absolutely. that you were living with them, you didn't want to let them down. Exactly. Right. So yeah. it's hard to, it's almost impossible to imagine making a significant left turn, right? Like that's, that's it. That's the, you know, That's it. double-edged swords. Is that what they all said? Yeah. Right?
0: <laughs> yeah. So, um, it was the floor and ceiling thing again. Yeah. It got us, it got us pretty far, but it held us back too. Were you conscious of this at the time? I can't remember. Um, I think I knew, I knew, I intuitively knew that we couldn't change it too much. I don't know if I knew it was going to hold us back, but I never really think about the sales numbers for a game we're working on. I just like, I just focus so much on the game. I'm not thinking about like, what do I estimate that we're going to make? What do I, I'm going to spend like a week and think about that. I don't even, even the game I'm working on now, like I haven't really thought about like what it's going to sell. Cause it just doesn't, it's not helpful. Right. I don't think unless it, unless maybe you say like, is this holding us back? So I do think about about what's holding us back. But, um, so that was like a really difficult run. Um, It was also totally exhilarating. Um, And we actually, when we released the game, we actually released an alpha of it. We had a playable alpha for probably at least a year, maybe two years before that. It was pretty rough. Like it was never running very well. I mean, it's a new engine. Looked great, but it was never running super well. Right. And was that
1: connected to the Kickstarter at all? Like, people would buy in and they get an early copy? Yep, or?
0: exactly. Okay. Okay. Yeah, you got it. Yeah, it's like true early access. Right. Like, you know, whatever. Eight years before. Right. When was that? When, when did early access? 2012, 2013 on 13 or 14, something like that. Yeah, so we did this in like eight, I think. Yeah. Something like that. But we'd seen... Um, well, at that time, we met John Graham, mm-hmm. uh, Jeff Rosen from Humble Bundle. Okay, Yeah. Th- they weren't... They were like, "We got this idea. We're gonna <laughs> stick your your, your game. game, and with our game, we're gonna put it together. We're gonna make a bundle, right. and we're gonna like pre sell, pre order both of them." And we're like, yeah. "Great idea, go!" And then they like turned it into humble bundle. Yeah, we did the first bundle, and right. look, look what they did. Wow, cool. Yeah, so that we got another like hundred k from that bundle, which was like yeah. mana from heaven. Yeah, I mean, anytime you get money
1: from your, I mean, oh. again, like anytime you get money your, your audience, it's the best money because it doesn't have strings, and it's also like a proof that you're in the right direction and like yes. you know. So again that puts you although that puts you even farther into the hole of like what the expectations are and like what so yeah, anyway. sure that
0: they they hold <laughs> so I wouldn't it's say it's here. I wouldn't say it's expectation free or whatever term that was, but like because they have their own, you know, come out with their pitchforks if they don't like the game, obviously. But. Right.
1: Well, no, that's what I mean. Like, when you, since you're taking money from them, yeah. it becomes more and more their project. It's not yes. officially their project. Yes. They kind of like emotionally, from both of your perspectives, it is, yes. you know.
0: And they want to see updates. Yeah. And they want to hear why you made a decision if they don't like it. You know, yeah. like, yeah. Um, so that was awesome. We just managed to just cobble it together. We had, you know, when Perfect World came in, that was the money we really needed to just do it right. And we had a pretty darn good launch, I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, it was, we had been playtesting it so much, even publicly, semi-publicly with all the Alpha people. We knew that there, we weren't gonna have any big hiccups on launch. And we learned our lesson from NS1 on that one. Right. Um, and it, like, I remember we actually flew the whole team to San Francisco. We had enough money to get our 15 person team all here. And we like had a, a party in real life and, was most of your team like basically made up of people who they were of the they original? They were NS, mostly NS1 people. We had a couple that had found us on the forums from like um, we had a programmer who had like been fixing bugs for NS2 because we it was all open source, right? We we released all the game code in Lua. Yeah. So if you downloaded the game, you had all Catholic the Lua. Code? Yeah. Okay. That's cool. We made our own IDE. Yeah. Actually, for Lua, which we actually out, which we actually sold to other sure. companies, which is crazy. Really? Yeah, we sold it to a whole bunch of companies. Like we licensed it to like seven or eight game companies, and so we shipped that with the game. Right. So players could like, players could actually fix bugs locally and be like, "Hey, I just fixed this like armory crash. Here you go." Be like, "Thank you." Yep. And then they, one guy kept doing that. We're like, "Would you like a contract job?" And then he's still with us. Yeah,
1: we've. I mean, I released we released the we released the code for Civ 4, for Off World. Did you? I didn't know that. Yeah, Sephora was the first one like, wow. from that series that did it. Although I think they've actually stopped doing that. But but I I mean I found it to be hugely valuable, yeah. not just for the mods, but but yeah, they will literally find bugs. But it's not the fact that they find bugs; it's if you find people who are so passionate about the game that they're willing to jump into the code. And a lot yeah. of those people I uh, we, you know we work with now. You Isn't know? that amazing? Um, yeah, I mean, so if you didn't do that, that would never happen. Yeah. Right.
0: That's amazing. I mean, I. And so you've
1: launched launch, you launch oh you were saying you you were able to bring everyone. Oh yeah. And these are people that you worked with for yeah
0: fifteen years over there. Oh my gosh, some of them had been there for a long time.
1: Yeah. And uh had some of these people you you had you ever been able to meet in person. Some of them no. Some of them this yeah. was the first time. Yeah.
0: wow that must have been amazing. It's pretty amazing. Yeah. And it was very drunken and very exciting. And like we just had a we hit like number one on Steam. Like I just really? never wow. forget. We just okay. it, went. That's it was, awesome. like the power of the community right right yep and back then like probably i don't know there probably wasn't even a game being released every day on steam or maybe it was like one game a day so like that helped that helped a lot um and then what was gonna say um yeah it did super well and then I i remember it did start to like fall again it was just like ns1 like it like this is just like i just want it to grow like yeah. why will it why will it never just keep growing yeah it's frustrating it's hard not to look at there are there are some
1: games that do that and it's hard yeah. not to look at me like what am i like know? what's what's the secret yeah what is the thing and uh you know um you know there's a few games that come come out that just kind of you know redefine what's possible for a game and, yeah. and oftentimes the they're part of a long process with a lot yeah. of people, yeah. and you know who contribute in different ways. I mean, like, you know, I kind of referenced it earlier, but you know, the telling the story of like how we got to Fortnite takes you yeah. all around the world through so many different people and so many different decisions. And oh, that, really? Well, right, because Fortnite is based off, you know, Fortnite comes from PUBG, right? Sure. And PUBG comes from Daisy, sure. Right. And Daisy was a mod of Arma. Yep. Right. So oh, you know, yeah. you, you started in Bohemia, right? Yeah, exactly. And then you traveled yeah, yeah. to. You know, Korea and, you know, you end up back in North Carolina and like, you know, it's all, it's all, it's all part of this long journey and, you know, um, yeah. So, but yeah, like to make a game, you know, games typically, you know, they can, they can have success, but, you know, people, people move on to other things. Right. So
0: it's, it's a challenge. Yeah. I guess I, I think I had come to terms a little bit like like right i remember right before we launched i remember d- doing doing some like press interview with uh, i think it was joystick and they were like so you know you've it's been 10 years to the day like <laughs> how do you feel like about <laughs> about finally releasing this game and i was and i just realized like i feel great because i actually don't it's not that i don't care how it does it's just i made the game that i, I was excited about yeah sure. like so you can't take that away. Like, it doesn't yep. matter how it's received. Like, this, I was super proud of that game. And the team, like, just made it. That was, that was the, it was so much better because there were so many more people contributing to that game. It wasn't just, like, my game. That right. was, like, way more other people's game. Right. So you had
1: changed? Kind of like, I had, no I
0: I knew that I had to. It just was, it seemed obvious at that point. Like, I just seemed to lighten up a little bit and, like, let go of some control. Um. And... I think also part of it, like, it's weirdly, I had done some country-western dancing. Okay. <laughs> and, like, I'd done a lot of country-western dancing. As part of that, if you're following, you, you kind of have to let the other person lead. Right. And it's, like, really hard to give up on that. Like, but if you trust them and they're a good dancer, you'll just whiz around and it's wonderful. You don't have to worry about hitting anyone because they've got it. Right. Um, it's, like, joyful because it's, like, less, you know, you don't have to be obsessed with doing everything. Um, so I think maybe that had transformed me a little bit. Um but yeah I just remember thinking like it doesn't matter how well this game does we like we set out to make the game we wanted we accomplished a huge amount we started this company we built an engine we we're making a game that our fans will love and they they did love it I mean I I don't think they it wasn't like the raging success but I think it was like I think our medi- our uh, Steam reviews are like 84 87 right in there right. pretty darn good Yeah was oh, good. Good. We sold hit number one. We sold uh, over, like about around a million copies. Like that's great. We're super happy. Yeah. You know.
1: No, so, I mean that's that's fantastic. It's amazing, right? I it mean, just took ten damn 10 years. years. <laughs> and uh, you know, I mean, a lot of people work on game to game to game. You know, and you yeah. have a story you can tell that like yeah. you started this thing. Yeah. With nothing, with no real specific prospect, and yeah. then you know you sold a million copies, right? Like that. That's unbelievable. That's fantastic.
0: So it's unbelievable. We had a world. We had a world. Championship we ho- we hosted a championship for our players right in Cologne We like rented an esports studio and it was so exciting. It like, you know, I think it was like uh, 24, 24 of the top players like four top clans and they all faced off and had, it was so exciting. I'll never forget that. Yeah Because like, um, it felt like I and mean, there are players from all around the world like all over mostly Europe but Europe and America and Canada, but like it was amazing to see again that world Influence like um, see all those players like loving the game and talking We would stay up late and go to the pub and like talk about like detailed design We should really change the fades ability to this because like you got to talk to this guy He's the world's best fade player like He knows what how you should change it. So we you know, we talk about it and it's so fun. Yep, it's exciting. Yeah um,
1: Cool, yeah, so um, You know the game the game comes out. Yeah, it
0: does pretty well. Yeah, what? What did you think you should do next? Like, so then the that was, like so then um, let's see. I think Columbine had just or not Columbine. Uh, Sandy Hook had just happened yeah. right around that time, and I just spent like way too much time making like a, a gun game, right? And I felt like okay, I just wanted to like go bigger, you know, like reach more people and just kind of get out of this like gun fantasy thing, and. Um, And I, you know, Minecraft was so amazing, such an important game. So it's just so amazing to see people creating instead of just like shooting. Mm -hmm. And so I got really started to get really excited about some kind of like cooperative game, nonviolent game that we could make. And I knew that like uh, maybe more than half the team would still be supporting NS2 for a while. Right. So we knew we wanted to like keep adding maps and stuff again, hoping to make it grow. That was like the thing. And of course it didn't, ultimately. But we, like, I think it was it was profitable, basically. Like, we, I think we cut, broke even on that for right. a year of extra work, but probably should have been doing something else. Well, did, was any of those content, like, did you, was, uh, was it DLC, or you were just trying to? It was to, all just adding some stuff to, keep, to the game. Keep the game. Yep. The, okay. Yeah, we didn't ever want to divide the community, right. so we didn't want to, like, split it with, like, do you have this map? Okay, well, if you don't have it, you can't play this game right now. We never wanted to break, it, break our own community up, so. Um, so that was when I started thinking about, um, what was a cooperative, like building in space game, which morphed pretty quickly to Subnautica, to right. the original prototype of Subnautica. Um, it was just me and one other person there. Working how, how did on you that.
1: make, so you say you started, started in space. Yeah. Which I guess makes
0: sense for a lot of these kind of like
1: people off yeah. of the, to space. How'd you make the jump to
0: water? I think we just noticed how many other people were making space games at that moment. <laughs> <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> okay. And in particular, Notch had just announced his space oh, game yeah. right around that time, ten sh- to the three sure. C, or whatever that was called. Which Power then Flight, just, just, just completely vanished, right? Like that yeah. was the only time like, But he scared us off. We're like, oh, we cannot do this. There's no way. I wonder if We're there's was ever anything
1: actually there? I like, don't know. Because he was in this super weird
0: place where he could just say anything you wanted, and everyone would be like, oh, oh my god, <laughs> yeah, what's this going to be? That's what I, that's how I felt. I'm like, yeah, yeah. Whatever you whatever you make, I'm gonna play. Yeah, we gotta get out of this. Okay. Yeah. So, so we were like, we're like, well, we, for this first prototype, let's just like, let's just do it underwater instead. I, I can't remember the exact um, decision tree, but it's just a prototype. So we felt like it's just two people. Ah, let's make a prototype. It's right. so easy. And to me, like really quickly, it became clear that it was going to be, I was just really excited about it. Like okay. I just got really pumped. What did you, what did you like about it? I just, it's just all feeling based, you know, it's just like being underwater And the atmospheric music and seeing the murk, seeing the fog in the back in the distance and not knowing what was there and then going deeper and deeper right? and building stuff, you know, finding loot on the ocean floor and then dragging it back to your ship before your oxygen runs out of time and building stuff with it, which then like could adjust your, your sub rather, um, or help you find other stuff and just go deeper and deeper. And like, I don't know, I guess I, guess i I'm just very intuitive in that sense. Like I didn't, I didn't think about like a business case for it. I just like knew that I wanted to make this. And so a lot of it was atmospheric. Like you totally, were putting time into totally, you know, what you saw what you heard.
1: Yep. Um,
0: and music, yep. music always gets me excited for a game, a prototype. I usually find the music first before working on anything else. Well, like, so what did you, with Subnautica? like, did you think, was there something you already knew? Yeah, was it was just, a, like... there was a track from, um, who was it? Um, why am I forgetting the name of them now? Uh, Solar, or Trance, two persons, um, Solar, Solar Fields. Right. There's a track from them that I just like, that was That, that was the feeling in there. And that was it. And our soundtrack ended up like being some, somewhat close to it. Um, not surprisingly, I guess. Um, so yeah, we just started iterating on that. And I, I thought like maybe this game we could make for iPad. Like I thought this could oh, be really? like a, yeah, which of course we, it's hilarious looking back on it now. Wow, yeah. But.
1: I think we didn't, we didn't really know what to do with mobile no you know, like you if you weren't if you weren't in the mobile industry you know it it was like it felt like you should care about it, but i did I never knew how to how to, how to what to do, so um, you had to
0: make a totally different game at that point, yeah. you know like it's the screens were tiny, the hardware was slow, yep, yeah. and it's yeah, monetization was unknown and also, I, the, the audio yeah. would not be no
1: <laughs> a key part of the experience no. playing on a tablet. True,
0: uh, true. Although now, of course, I would love it if we had like a mobile version of Subnautica. I'm sure it'd be great. Right. So we might be able to do that. But um, so yeah, like just start making, made like six prototypes and sent them sent them around to the team and got feedback. And I I should look back at some of that feedback. But to me, it was like people liked it immediately. I'm not sure if they really did or if I just kind of like glossed over it. Because when we showed our owners, like they were not very interested at all. They thought it was terrible. Right. But I'm like, this is amazing. It's gonna be great. Just ignore the programmer art. Like it's gonna be awesome.
1: Right. Now right. all of your your team presumably, I mean, you know, like oftentimes a, a, a quote unquote regular game company yeah. hires for disciplines, right? And they're yeah. um, you know, so the, the, the people may or may not be into the games. Like, I knew a lot of people at Fraxis who were very talented programmers, and artists, but they didn't really particularly care about civilization, hmm. right? Presumably, wow. everyone um, who worked with you really cared about natural selection. Yep. Right. So they all would have been really into competitive yep. shooters. You got it.
0: Nailed it. Yep. So
1: was that, I mean, like. It's an issue.
0: Yeah. We lost a couple people. Um, you're like, you're making a single player, underwater, nonviolent game? Like, no. You know, a couple people were, I think, I can think of one person that left. Yeah. Um, but I think people were very hesitant at first. And then over time, we convinced a bunch of them. And we like to do new genres. You know, like we've learned that about ourselves now, even though the first two games were the same, same genre. Um, we, you know, combined two genres to kind of make a new genre. Subnautica was right. like very different than, you know, RTS, FPS competitive. And a New Game, which I can't wait to tell the world about soon, is like another new genre. Yeah. Um we'd like to keep shaking it up. Did um mm-hmm. shoot what was gonna say? Um mm. Well, I was gonna say the people that we've we lost a couple people in the beginning, but now I feel like we're gonna keep the people because the people that we have are people that have understood they're they're more people that want to keep doing new things. Sure. So yeah. I think that we won't have that kind of turnover problem.
1: Is there a design aesthetic that links? Natural Selection and Sonica
0: I mean, it's the same art director.
1: Right, sure.
0: So, um, I think there is. I mean, the aliens are very Corey. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, okay. that makes sense. Um, I think there is. Yeah. yeah,
1: I mean, the aliens are a lot about what makes Sonica work, Yeah, I think. Yeah. Like, um, I mean, I guess one on Earth would be interesting, obviously, because also Earth's oceans are really cool. Yeah. But the mystery of, you know, even if you see, like, an amazingly modeled you know, lionfish or whatever, you're still aware that like it's within the realm of possibility of what you're gonna see. Yeah. Right? But the, one of the big parts of Sonatica is you have no idea exactly what you might see next. Right? Exactly. Um and that's that's a huge huge part of it, right? Yeah. Um
0: and so I think that was always like yeah one of the core ideas. Absolutely. We we never were gonna make it on Earth or make it real. Never we we're never gonna have like normal sharks or anything like that. It would never just, just wouldn't fit. For, yeah, yeah. I think you
1: sort of um, alluded a little bit earlier when you when you first mentioned Sennaka. Did you originally think of it as a co-op thing? It was originally gonna be co-op. yeah. Okay. But
0: that was really early. It was like even before the first prototype. That's that was the thinking, and then as soon as we got to the first prototype, I think we were. I was still thinking co-op, but um, you know, we knew we were just gonna make the first prototype would be single player just for you know technical reasons. Sure and after the third or fourth prototype, I don't know if we were even thinking co-op anymore. I think we always knew it could happen, but you know, the more we had iterated on that, the farther we are getting yeah. away from it.
1: It's interesting, because that's a big it's a big turn, because a lot of those games, people just assume they're co-op. Yes. Because, I don't know if that just seems to be the way things the are. The forest, or I don't know. Yeah, the like, rafts, or whatever. Yeah. Um, and um, so not doing that was kind of a big decision. Yeah um and, also and we never really
0: made it either you know what's we that? never really made the decision it just kind of happened huh that's interesting and it is the number one feature request for some, some sure America.
1: well there's a i mean I, my my son has played that like mod that like it oh yeah 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 into a, a co-op game yeah which, which like i was like like, like that's, that's how they, we don't i don't that, even know how they did that you like, like, don't know how they've done that no well like i haven't really. looked at it but i don't like how that <laughs> Like how <laughs> we can't do it and you can—that doesn't yeah. make any sense. Like we had that issue, like with Civ three. Civ three was a purely single player game that we had to uh, turn yeah. into a multiplayer game. That was like the God. worst development experience of my life, you know. Like because there's so many. If you if you don't assume that it's gonna be multiplayer, you just yeah. do all sorts of things differently, and there's yeah. like no way to unwind. So now, even if I make a game which I think is probably gonna be single player, I still use like a multiplayer framework just because of like I oh. that happened happen again, right? Yeah, it's um, a good idea. Yeah, because you never know. And do you give up do you give up anything? What do you think that way? It's i it, mean it's it's um, it just means program pro engineering wise, yeah. It's a little more complicated. Yeah. Right? Because it means that you know what basically it means is there has to be a client server somewhere. Sure. Right. Even if they're just on the same machine. Yeah. Right. But I would say that it's kind of healthy coding because having a client separate from a server means yeah. that, like, you're kind of like, well, this is the UI stuff. This is the stuff that theoretically totally. you can just completely throw away. Yeah, doesn't make any difference at all. The yeah. games, the stuff on the server. Okay, if you're saving a game, yeah. all the information should be there. Yeah, right? yeah, you know, and so it helps organize things a little bit. Um, but I, I do like sort of fantasize sometimes, mm. like, oh, I just want to like. Just call the function yeah, directly. Exactly. I'm just going to grab the data bad bad right now. Exactly. Like, yeah. just give me a give me a pointer yeah. to the server and I'll just totally. do it directly. Just like look it up and use it. Yeah. yeah. Um, so it's just kind of one of these, one yeah. Of these things. Yeah, I know what you mean. We all, you know, if you've worked for a while, you kind of just develop a system of doing things. Yeah. And yeah. to me, this is more just like, well, this is how I do stuff. Right. Right. Um, but to me, the thing that stood out to me when you said that is that since you guys were such a multiplayer-focused company, yeah, like that, like, and you had these a lot of people who were like used to, c- you know, competitive games yeah. or uh, violent games. Yeah, yeah. You think like at least making a co-op would be like some middle ground,
0: right? Sure. So you really, I mean, I think I have to look back at the original the old those old documents, but I think in my mind it was it was always going to co-op would be in there somewhere. Like I don't think we ever gave up on it. It was like oh we'll just add this like halfway through or right. And we just never did, you know, we, yeah. and we also took the prototypes. We, that, that was the first, um, unity game that we'd worked on too. Okay, sure. So we were just like, Hey, let's just make, you know, unis is Unity's really good. Now let's just try making something with it, fell in love with it. And then we had prototyped for a couple months and then we just basically took those prototypes and like kept going with them. Like that became yeah. We didn't like throw it away and, sure. and do it for real. Unfortunately, and it like bit us so badly, yeah. like. Yeah, i have had a lot of technical issues like you know pop in is like an issue that's still it's, it's mostly gone at this point but it's been a huge amount of work to get that stuff fixed yeah. up
1: i mean I'm kind, of spec- I'm kind of speculating here but like i wouldn't be surprised if you know even though it wasn't a conscious decision yeah when you when you did because you did keep a single player sometimes there's this this kind of sense that like extra features are just this positive thing right like oh Adding yep. co-op that'll make the game better. Yeah. Adding yep. multiplayer that'll make the game better. You just like put some more time to that. But actually, when you narrow the scope of when you have a narrow the scope of a game, it lets yep. you be better at certain things. Exactly. Right? And a single-player game excels at making sure people get the exact experience yeah. at the right time. Like if there's a creature, you know that okay. There aren't four people in the world and I don't know
0: where they're all looking. There's yeah. one
1: person in the world, I know where they're looking, yeah. I can make the sound happen just when they see the creature whatever. Yeah. I don't know if that's true or not, but like.
0: Unfortunately, it's. I don't think it was true for Subnautica, because okay. we yeah. had that exact discussion so many times, like like the there's a ship that you, when you crash land on the planet, you yep. crash land on a ship. Yes. Yeah, the Aurora. Mm-hmm. And in the beginning, we thought, well, you would just, uh, you'd see that ship in the background and it's just going to be there burning. We never really thought about, we didn't even know if there's going to be a story. So it was just sitting there burning and then players go swim over to it. They constantly, that's the first thing they do. Yeah,
1: that's the first thing I did. Really? Like, it's like, what? (laughs) (laughs) That's like the last thing I would have expected. Video games. (laughs) Video games teach you to do that, right? I guess they do, you know, because you don't you don't give the player a lot of guidance. At no, the game, which, zero, is, zero which is which is fine. Like, yeah. that's, that's that's a good design. That's a you know that's a design approach, right? Yeah. So if you don't know what to do, and there's a gigantic ship. You yeah know, like taking up a quarter of your view yeah you know Makes it took me a while i, I had to die it's before i realized like you know, like, you know like, I, I could tell you guys yeah. were like at some point in the design You're like yeah. well what if we had some radiation that's exactly and it, it happens slowly yeah. and then they'll know like and they'll, oh, they'll turn, turn around. around yeah and i'm just like oh maybe i should swim underwater more yeah maybe i need to get still deeper. radiation
0: maybe maybe if i go this side i'll try again you know it's <laughs> 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 so funny that we were i i shouldn't say we i was completely baffled to see that people just Jump off their ship. Hold down W for ten minutes while they yeah. get to the aurora. So, anyways, yeah, what you just said is all true. Um, so, what was I saying about that? The aurora was. Oh, but then at some point we knew the aurora was going to get unstable. Yeah. And was like gonna gonna blow up. And we we it was kind of a dramatic moment because we actually end up by we put a ton of of effort into this into the aurora. We actually built like an entire. I don't know if you've boarded the aurora. I've it, seen. I've seen my. Uh... My you see, okay. So you get, uh, yeah, it's like a full, Big it's deal. like a, it's a above water, uh, basically shooter level, it's yep. like a giant level. And it was mm-hmm. like a huge amount of work. So we mm-hmm. want people to get there. We want people to see it blow up. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but we're like, well, we don't know where they're going to be in the world when it blows up. So how do we get them to see it? And this was like, yeah, it was like a three hour conversation before <laughs> we figured out the right way to do it, which for us was, um, we can't any anything that we do to try to get them to see it, uh, people are gonna figure out how to game. Right, like, sure. Oh yeah, 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 I get it. And it's gonna become, it'll, fu- it'll feel transparent. Like, oh, you just have to like, if the rule is after eight minutes, if you're on the surface and you look at the aurora, then you hear the first rumbling like that. It's gonna work for a lot of people, but then long-term it's gonna feel really false. So we just didn't want that. So we ended up by just saying, well, um, let's make sure it blows up in a time when players are still exploring that rough area and they haven't gone very deep yet, so it's easy for them to get to the surface. And then we're gonna um, like foresh- foreshadow it like a bunch of times with some radio logs, so people kind of know it's coming. Right. And then when it does, then it does a countdown sequence, so you have time to get to the right. surface yep. if, if you're down if you're diving when the countdown starts. And if you miss it, we're gonna make the explosion underwater feel. Is about as cool as the above water. So we do like, I don't know, I think we actually removed it last minute, but like when the explosion happens, like fish like fly by oh, you okay. yeah. and like, it sounds really cool. And like, you just see it happen underwater. So that was our, that was our kind of our mantra, which is like, don't force people, don't make it apparent how the, how the world works. Don't force people to do anything. And then to see something cool and just make it cool, like wherever they are. Right. That was kind of, that was our solution that was a long answer to a different question but (laughs) yeah
1: Um, yeah I guess we were talking about like what making it what making it purely single player brought to the game
0: oh so it wasn't easy for us to make to just be like to have them experience that in fact it was quite the opposite because players have really different playthroughs and we wanted we wanted that right we didn't and we you know as you noticed we don't have quests or anything like that right there's no hand holding yep so we want players to really have that feeling where they're um, they feel like they're really exploring it
1: for yeah. real. Um, so it's also basically a, you know, it's a survival game. Um, uh, you know, part of it is, right? Yeah. Um, I mean, was that, I, I don't, it I'm was not to, intentional. Really? No. Okay. Um, cause so I'm trying to remember where the state of the industry was
0: for survival games in like 2013 or whatever. You they were, were kind of booming. Industry. Yeah. Survival early access, I think was really happening. Yeah. 13 and 14 and. We when we launched it into early access, we didn't have food or water as a as a component or a mechanic. Really, and I'll never forget someone in our communities, like on Steam Fork, Steam reviews, said, "How dare you make a survival game? <laughs> <laughs> How dare you make a survival game without food and water?" Right. And I'm like, "What makes you think it's a survival game?" I just thought that. Right. I'm like, sure. Because every other game out there at that time in early access was survival. Yeah. Sure. And you are literally crash landing on an alien water planet. Of course, you have to survive. Like yeah. the theme was there. So we added food and water Right, like, just, sure. like, just to like give them what they wanted. And it worked, worked for many other reasons, but sure.
1: Yeah. It's funny you keep coming back to this theme today of like the thing that should be obvious that like, <laughs>
0: you know, like I guess that you don't know until your players
1: are like, Hey, don't yeah. you realize that blah, 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 true, um, true. That, that is, that's game development. You know, I, uh, I guess it is. I hope it's not just me. Yeah. I hope no, it's, it's other it people. is was absolutely, you know, yeah. but, you know, um, it's, it's, I mean, to me, that's, that's why I, I love the early access process is, yeah. um, you know, I, I've just for me personally, yeah, like you know, releasing Civ 3, Civ there were so many things that should have been obvious to me mm. that I just didn't realize until it got out there, and because it's just impossible, one person can't figure out that stuff on their own, the no. team can't figure out that stuff on their own, um, and so you know, you got to find a way to get you know, it's like oxygen, right? You got to figure yeah. out a way to get, get it in, into the game
0: before, before it gets out there, um, right? So it's like beginner's mind, too, because like. You don't have a beginner's mindset when you see the game anymore. Right. But new, all these other new people do. So they notice how big something is on screen. You don't even notice. You've internalized what it is. You don't even see it anymore. Yep. Yeah. So. So, so really on, that
1: like the first version was, was it was kind of more of a building game. That's how you looked at it
0: or like we what did you. D- didn't even really know. That's what was weird. We ran out of money. Oh, uh, okay. We ran out. Of, so NS2, we made something like 3 million bucks and we. You know, piled it all into Subnautica. We'd gotten a little extra money to get to just get one more month so we can get it, you know, rough enough, you know, mm-hmm. ready enough for a rough early access. And uh, we launched it and it was just, it was like doing okay. Like it was, you know, like basically right at the break even level. Right. And we're like, oh, uh, this isn't what we need. We need it to be a lot bigger than this. Right. Now, what did, so what did the game have at that point? It was really. Really rough, really minimal. I think you could just swim around, and I can't remember if we had um, procedurally generated terrain or not. I think we might have, because we'd actually released like a terrain generator tool before mm-hmm. the game came out. We wanted people to code up their own procedural generation, which we could use.
2: What? Yeah. <laughs> we, yeah.
0: Okay. Yeah. It was a lot. We made uh, we we toyed around with procedural generation of the landscape right. of the planet and so we made a tool where anyone could basically write their own algorithms it wasn't shader code it was i forgot what, what what the framework was but we made a basically a mod a little mini mod where anyone could like write code yeah and if they like run it in the game it would like, create all this terrain you could swim around oh so
1: like you gave people the ability to write a map, a map script basically
0: yeah procedural yeah terrain yeah that's what I, yeah, we, that's we, right. we, call, we would call yes. it a, yeah. maps yeah
1: um, okay.
0: So I think we, we had used that, we had released that before and hoping that people would like create a bunch of stuff and like stuff we could use that'd be better than what we were doing. And then I can't remember, I think we actually right before early access, like a couple months before we realized that wasn't going to work mm-hmm. and we just needed to like hand sculpt the entire world. Right. Because the look we were getting out of that was like pretty good, but not as good as we thought it needed to be. Right.
1: Yeah. Not I was about to say, I didn't. I wasn't aware that the game was so it's not that. it's not so you no. you attempted that wow and then you went back to yeah or you went months. to okay months how much time did you have to make that change
0: so i i feel like we probably had like six or eight months i can't really quite remember it was around that amount of time so what we launched with was like a crafting system a pretty small world we didn't have a submarine there's no cyclops submarine Okay, which is funny for a game called Subnautica. <laughs> like, yeah. Um we did have the Seamoth, which is like the little tiny submersible. Uh, we didn't have any base building, we didn't have survival elements, we had no story. I mean, it was like a pretty it was like a core. It was like 3 hours of swimming around in safe shallow the safe shallow area and crafting stuff. An atmosphere. Right. It was like just a tidbit. It's like this is where this is where we're going. Okay. So you could you could craft your
1: oxygen thing and your
0: that's right your, your fins knife and, and your fins that's and right hair. and the flashlight and maybe a couple other small things and that was kind of it okay and just kind of the world was big and kind of empty you would actually just swim to the edge and it would just become like flat or just like you you get to the end of the world right you know um and was there any sort of progression or no no nope? No. so it was it's a sandbox rough. basically sandbox yep wow okay and so
1: that is, that is that's pretty early access it's pretty early access yeah, yeah.
0: I mean, it's a miracle that anyone like bought the game actually, but like luckily the NS2 folks had a bunch of them had come along and you know fans and then um, and I I immediately knew we had to like really firm up the game fast because we're, mm-hmm. this was not going to be you know we're, our trajectory was not good so we just cut like multiplayer formally right formally cut story was formally cut which was later reintroduced. Um, I had, I had all these ideas about like terraforming the world. Like you're, you're there to like build, um, ha- habitat for like, you know, thousands of people before, before they arrive. Like that would be the goal oh, Wow, that's, that was all cut. That's a big difference. Yeah, it's completely different. And then we just like leaned into the stuff that seemed that people seemed to like, which were like, we had a couple, we had like one big creature that people really liked. And they're like, they were like awestruck when they saw the big creature, the reef backs. Mm-hmm. And so we immediately moved more towards big creatures. Um, and then let's see, but I, I'm trying to remember what the main, the main core pivot was. It was
1: like, you're talking about cutting, but really what you're doing is you're reprioritizing. You're saying, that's right. Like, that's right. I want to do, <coughs> we need to do this instead.
0: Yep. So what's, you know, what's the, this basically. That's right. And we realized that the tension was working really well. So we, I was thinking we'd be doing a lot more like underwater cables and building and tension, you know, cable snapping and stuff like drifting down into the murk, that kind of thing. But we didn't even do that. So I think, I'm trying to remember what the next update was. I mean, we added survival elements and then we added big creatures and we added some big scary creatures like eventually the Reaper Leviathan. We saw the Aurora, people were always swimming you swimming the because we saw you
1: swimming to the aurora. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. We added the aurora. Um, That's
1: awesome. I mean, think about that at a high level, though. Like, I mean, presumably, it was was Twitch going on at this time? I suppose it was. Like, you probably yeah, we weren't.
0: No one really covered us on Twitch. It was you. Well, YouTube a bit. Cover, Oh, like, oh, I see. Like you oh, guys. Yeah,
1: yeah. Like to me, the best, the most valuable yeah. Twitch streamers are like the one or two viewer people who they're just they're just. Like, it's just a yeah. free uh, user research lab, Absolutely basically, you oh, know, yeah. it's like, I wonder what a random person would do, not, not a professional streamer, because they have completely different incentives uh, yeah, than, like, you're right. you know, your you're average, right. you're, like, one to two viewer Twitch person. Yeah, one to two viewers. <laughs> so, so like your mom and dad watching. Exactly. So, presumably, you saw a bunch of people keep swimming to the Aurora and yeah. finally, you were, like, well, this is... We've got to like, fix this. Like, I mean, now you fix it, it's an opportunity. It but is an yeah. You gave
0: yourself, like, yeah. this, this amazing thing, you could do something with. True, good. So, true. Yeah, Yeah, no, you're right. I was just, I guess it was a, I just remember how long it took. (laughs) That that one was a lot of work. Yeah, yeah. Um, We just refocused. And I remember that I was thinking like, we're in deep trouble. Like I was on vacation when I started to put this all together. And I remember I just like canceled my vacation and just worked nonstop the whole week. Because it was immediately, I realized how dire it was. And we refocused. We got. I mean, it was some painful conversations. Nobody wants to did hear you, about their favorite. Did you think the con- game
1: was in better shape than it was?
0: I don't really remember. I just knew that we were out of money. Sure. And so again, so. Um, yeah, that, that classic line of how you
1: go broke, like first yeah. slowly and then all at once. Like you kind oh, of, I haven't heard that. You kind of yeah, it's, it's a. I think it's a. Who are real great cast for uh, But oh, rate, oh yeah, that's uh, true. Yeah, um, and uh, but it's basically like you've been doing leading up to this slowly, and yeah. now suddenly you hit your crisis
0: moment. Like, oh crap! This is like, there's no there there. Like, it's just it's a it's a world. It's an atmosphere. It's really beautiful. We had actually seen. We'd actually done like a like a Pax showing. We had mm-hmm. a Pax booth like right like right before like four months before, and it was similar. We had just shown people. They had like a three minute demo where they could like. It had a, a, a goal, like craft this thing, go here. It just, because we needed something and people did respond well to the environment. They really liked the environment and it felt, I don't know, you, you never really know, but get, your gut is telling you like, are, are people really liking this? Or are they just saying they like it? Or you know what? You just feel it right when you right. watch people and it felt like they liked it, but it just, they're just kind of wanting a lot more. Yeah. When you said that people responded really well to big creatures, like how did you know that? Just uh, Twitch streaming and yeah, okay. yeah, you so just, just watching, watch, their, you watch their face. Yeah. Yeah. They're like, oh my God, I
1: found Cthulhu.
0: Right. You know, like, and they're just like, oh my gosh. They're like, they're completely swept off their feet, right? Yeah. And the thing is doing nothing. Yeah. Um, it's interesting change because like when
1: you were getting, gathering feedback for natural selection. Yeah. It's all kind of like process feedback, right? Because this would be mm. stuff people are writing on the forums. Yeah. Not true. what they're experiencing in the moment. True. You know, I don't, I'm just talking a no, sure yeah, the differences, right. but presumably there's gotta be some difference in how that affects because I kind of, yeah. I think when people start writing a forums, they're, they're starting to put on their, like, I'm going to be yep. a designer for a moment. Exactly. And, as this is how to you just, should fix it. Yeah, exactly. As opposed to just like experiencing something and you see like what they're reacting to.
0: Totally. And of course, you know how valuable it is. Like you want people to tell you the symptoms, not the fixes. Right. Right. So you're seeing the symptoms. Like, you're seeing them the right time. there. Yeah. yeah. They don't even have to say it. It's like, it's all written all over their face. Yeah. And so I felt like, I don't know. I wasn't demoralized. I was I actually, was actually really excited that we just cut all that stuff because we were just dreaming, just dreaming and ideating too much. Yeah. And we just cut some stuff. We came up with a plan. We started rolling out our updates like really aggressively or like really like not really aggressively, but very focused. We switched to the, um, did you ever see that, uh, Robin Walker talk from, um, Community, community development as a service or something like that from Steam Dev Days. Right. Do you know that uh, you know what uh, I'm talking I think about? I, I right it's yeah. basically how they converted uh, Team Fortress Two their cadence mm-hmm. instead of just like I think they were like streaming out updates kind of like haphazardly and they like focus them to like with a theme. Big updates every point. six weeks yep. mm-hmm. and they had a theme and they make like a microsite and right. they like announce it before it launches. They tell people what's kind of what's coming. They turn it into a whole game and they basically like promote. It's like a very visible concrete update each six weeks.. Yep. and we just like switched to that model immediately and uh, started making microsites and like themed updates like this is the base building update. right This is the Cyclops update. this is the Aurora update. this is the like habitat update and we like made trailers for each one and we just we got in a rhythm and we just like we just started making the game a lot better pretty quickly. and it was stuff that people were really excited about and they could see the progress and we just and that's when the youtubers jumped in it was it was like maybe three or four months after the game just found itself and it just like literally took off like i mean jacksepticeye made he he made over 100 videos ultimately Mm -hmm. and it was like all most of them in early access and those had like eight to ten million views each wow markiplier covered it dozens of times like just the biggest people so it was just something. Something struck a chord. At some point, it got good enough. Right.
1: And yeah, it's it, interesting when those people decided this was the time to check it out. Like when they, you know, because presumably it was not right away. It wasn't because so,
0: we had sent them keys and they didn't play the game. Yeah. You know, but then they bought it later. <laughs> you know, like they probably didn't even, didn't even you see remember that sent them a had key. the key. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um, yeah. It's a. Uh, yeah. Okay. So I, I I I I am definitely aware with the the themed update. Uh, model of development I actually right. really wish I could follow that model oh really it's because it's well because I think it's it's amazing it makes sense right? yeah like, it's great you know like if you keep people want people you need to fire their you're doing live ops right like yeah. people you know, you're firing their imagination they're like oh That's cool right. I did this game and now it's got this extra thing it's strategy games everything is like interlocking Yep. you know so like a lot of our updates are like the chariot now does this more damage in this specific situation and you know this building now is you yeah. can't build it on this place and it's like you know it's like it's all leading to something but we don't you just can't keep adding new all the like a huge new feature huge new feature huge new feature um like you have to kind of actually have all the features in place yeah. in the beginning and the the, the, the the development process is like sculpting them into something that actually fits together yeah uh,
0: i'm sure that's Still true for Sonata. It is. It right. is true. And it's a lot of its framing. Yeah. Because a lot of the updates have a lot of the content in the update is just not called out in the headliner. Right. So like we call it the Aurora update, but that doesn't mean that we didn't add like three new biomes Right. that have nothing to do with the Aurora, because you know, game dev. Um but it's just all about the framing. We just yeah. focused on the stuff that people could actually just grok and sure. and like, oh I want to play the game again. Yeah. I
1: mean you're telling a story, and presumably yeah. You know, I know it's all kind of like a, a spectrum, right? Presumably sometimes you're calling out things where parts of it were actually available before. Yeah. It's just like, now's a really good time to shine a flashlight on it. Yeah, right? pretty much.
0: Yeah. yeah. Or we might've even occasionally held something back mm. because we wanted to hold it for, you know, this themed update. Yeah. Which I, you know, it's, that's a big ideological difference. Sometimes we'd hold it back, sometimes we wouldn't, but generally we don't like to hold things back. Yeah, sure. But, um...
1: But yeah, I mean, I think it's I think it's something I need to think through myself, like, yeah. to get better at, because I think it's a very good way to evolve, to talk about your game, yeah, keep keep the numbers going up, because now you had you had you made a game, it's finally grow- it's where growing. the game
0: grew consistently, right? It was like, unbelievable, and by the way, we should talk about that because I think you can do it in a strategy game. I think it's just a it's a mindset shift, yeah. And it's it's not fun work to try to figure out to scope to scope <laughs> I, and production. Think, it's not fun. I think that may honestly be part of the problem. Yeah, is
1: um, like you know, it it it's it's a lot of work, and my job already seems pretty hard. Yeah, like just to be totally you know yeah. honest about it. Yeah, and like it's like to like put that level on top of it. Like that sounds. It's not super su- difficult.
0: It's not super fun. Yeah, but if you have, yeah. I think you can do it though i don't think so. i don't <laughs> think strategy games are any different because our, our systems are all interconnected too and yeah um like you could add wonders in a strategy game like that could be like a concrete thing yeah you know, but, like,
1: we, but we, we, we would always start with wonders i mean the the time that we yeah. add these huge features those would right. all have been pre early access mm. like i'm trying to think if there are any major oh. just completely this thing did not exist before right that before we came out in early
0: access, mm. and it's all per, tur- tur- so, Tile types, maybe. Or oh no, like, those are no? definitely in. Okay, before, those are in. Um, you know, what about what about cultures? Well, I guess you sell them as DLC, DLC typically.
1: Well, that's probably what we, we would do. Yeah.
0: Uh, I mean, I can I could say factions.
1: that. Yeah. We like our first our first new culture is going to come out right in a couple months from this recording, basically, like when we when we release on Steam. And so yeah, that's a that's a good one. yeah. So there's definitely stuff there's definitely stuff you could do, but. Like, pretty much every, you know, uh, religions, theologies, improvements, like civics, yeah. you know, texts, wonders, you know, all the promotions, all the different parts right. of combat, those were all, those all kind of
0: had to be in place. Hmm. Um, so. Is it because the assets are relatively small, comp- they're easy to make? Because, like, for, well, if we add base building, yes. all those pieces that are modeled and rigged and whatever.
1: Yeah, the, the, when... when when I'm adding something like like, you know, civics yeah. laws, right? Like right. choosing between slavery and freedom, like it's just a bunch of game play and play and games. Text and icons. Right, yeah, yeah, exactly. And so the earliest version of it is just gonna be this horrible, ugly UI where you're just choosing between these two options, right? Yeah. Um, and so yeah, like there's there's kind of like no excuse for for us not to do the gameplay at the beginning, right? Because we're not we're not really limited from
0: a tech point yeah. of view. Right. At least can, for a turn based game. You can hold it back. <laughs> It'd be so cool, right? You could have it internally and make yeah. sure that it's shaping up as it needs to, and then boom. Sure. Boom. Like I, I, I don't know. I think that'd be so exciting. Yeah. But I don't know. Maybe it's complicated.
1: Yeah, it's a philosophical thing. It I mean, is a philosophical. I mean, it's absolutely looking kind of looking back, I could see things like, okay, you know, I bet I could have excised theologies, right, and, yeah. and like, yeah. I could have added that. Yeah. But then, you know, I think of like all the different things that interact with theologies, and it's Right. it's just kind of like, eh, yeah, I can see. You it's know, it's not the same. So people. it's kind of like I kind of just. Yeah. I just worry about the game so much. Of course. That it's hard to get that other thing in there. So yeah, I mean, but, but it's certainly know, I, more natural with big assets. Yeah. I mean, for so sure. that's the thing. I'd love to hear just anything you could say about like yeah. how you made that transition, right. To, to mm-hmm. develop it like that.
0: I mean, I'm trying to think who we had, if I think I was actually doing production on that at that time, I think it right. was my role. So uh, I can't really remember now. It's like the years sure. bl- blending, blurring it all together. Yeah that was actually a while ago too. Um, I think I was just kind of like rallying the troops and be like, okay, this update, you know, we'd all get together and be like, Hey, Corey would say, Hey, these creatures are coming online. We could do this. And then I would say, well, I think this cool, this feature from the community sounds really great. Right. Or we really need to get going on the story so we could start doing, you know, foreshadowing story stuff. We just brainstorm, you know, it's like, that's like a, it's a three hour meeting, you know, with like eight people and yep. it's kind of miserable. Yeah. And you still don't know if you're going to, if you've even scoped it right. And then you're like, you're done with it. And then you start working and then sometimes you slip and you're completely wrong. Yeah. It's not, it's certainly not clean or elegant. So it was, but, I mean, ultimately it was, this was just a major part of your job. Right? Yeah.
1: Like swearing about this. All yeah. The time. Oh I mean, yeah. Six not, weeks comes by fast. Also. Oh, it does.
0: Like oh, yeah. really, like that's not. So at this point I'm not programming anymore. Yeah, sure. So like that helps. I'm just doing design and like production and kind of high level, you know, guiding, basically guiding the game is pretty much what I do. Um, But the cool part was like the team was so excited because it's so amazing to release an update and see YouTube go bonkers. Like that's never happened to me before.
1: Yeah, that's enthralling. Sure. It's amazing. And I suppose like you're, you know, leading a team just straight up is difficult, right? Right. I suppose there's probably development benefits to the major update model as well, mm. right? Because it means everyone's thinking about a yeah. specific thing. Yeah. Like, like okay, we spent a bunch of time working on this. Now we're going to spend a bunch of time working yeah. on this. Like, I don't know if that, that's true or not. but
0: um, I think it helps a little bit, but I think most people are, you know, if you're a level designer and the update is like... Scary creatures. You're like, what does that mean for me? I guess I'm not in the spotlight again, you know. Or if the part of the update was like, we're going deep into the ghost ship area, like ghost, that zone. Then like level designer gets all the cred, and maybe one creature, but like, there's no new systems that went in. Yeah. There's no new music or whatever. I don't know. There's always like, there's always people that kind of like get left behind in an update. Did you ever have anxiety that you'd run out of like? You no. know,
1: thing, headlines? Like, no. Where you'd have to know? Okay.
0: Because we're ultimately trying to ship 1.0, and it was like, we just knew there was a ton to do. Yeah. It was like, it was hard to cram it all in. Um, and, well, then the, that's when the story started happening, and the story added a lot of scope, too. Sure. So, I don't know. I guess I didn't... It was less about... We. we it wasn't... Um, hmm. I'm trying to think if we just, like... It didn't feel like, hey, we got some free time. We'll just throw in this cool new feature. It was more like... Here are the five things we really want to put in. What is the one that we're going to put in, the four that we're going to cut? You know, Mm -hmm. it was like kind of, you know, it didn't feel like we had lots of time to do this. I don't know why. Maybe it should have, but I think we just didn't want to be working on this game forever. Sure. So we knew, I think it, I think it was 18 months to get to early access. And then I think it was two years, two and a half years in early access to 1.0. Um... So I can't. I have to like look, look that up again. But it it's a, it wasn't a lot of time to kind of get all those features working. Right. Um, yeah. I mean, there there aren't a ton of examples of games that
1: came out. and kind of started very slowly on early access and then right like snowball. Like oftentimes when people talk early access, what they're afraid of is like early access is their real watch. Ex- yeah. You know. And so like if they if that doesn't come, it doesn't hold water. Now yeah, of course it could be that. That was possible back in 2014, 15, whatever this was there. Yeah. Um, and it's not true nowadays. I'm not sure.
0: (laughs) I remember the time people, the, the common wisdom was that you only get one launch, right? I don't know who started that meme. (laughs) Someone in some mailing list said, you only get one launch. Look at this game. They only had one launch. Yeah. And we were really worried that we were only going to have one launch, but we didn't, we had many, we had early access was not even our biggest launch. And then the headliners were all subsequent launches and 1.0 was actually our biggest one of all. Right. Now we did hold back the ending of the game for 1.0, which was like very divisive topic on the team. Because it's, again, philosophically bad. But on the other hand, you want people to have something in the 1.0. Yeah,
1: sure. Yeah, I mean, absolutely.
0: Uh, and why not be the end of the game? Like, yeah. what else could it be?
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that seems you don't want people beating the game before one zero. Yeah, it that just, seems reasonable. Yeah. Uh, for for Offeral Train Company, our our two week sales on early for our early access release and our final release were within like fifty copies of each other. It was really crazy. Oh so, wow! So, so they were like extremely similar. <laughs> they were basically like the exact same. It was really so weird. so. Now I'm
0: just wondering, like, if you had structured it like headlines, headliners, I wonder if you would have had all those extra. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> don't toy with me. John. I mean, I'm just saying. <laughs> yeah, just I, saying. Know, I know. I know. It's 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 um, it's a very important part of game development. Yeah, and something yeah. that I think I, I don't I don't underestimate. I just know yeah. that I'm bad it's at. Just, yeah, you know, and I haven't figured out how to. Part of the problem is that I'm still programming. I'm still doing. The, oh yeah. Like I'm the when there's a gameplay idea, then I'm gonna have to go to, to go, yep. go program it. And yeah, then someone else. Someone yeah, else. Yeah, there's it. I mean there's all, there's a lot of the people that you I I have turned like this was the old world was the first game where I did not write the AI right. for oh yeah um, so hmm. that was thank goodness Alex took care of that because. Um, I was I, you know, we've been talking about denial a lot. Yeah, I was in serious denial about the AI for old world. It, it was it was the continual. It's so it's It became a joke within the company. It's like, oh, when's are going to start bringing the AI? Two months. Two oh, months it's always know? two I'd months. I said that for like I said that for like a year and a half, you know. Yeah. And then eventually Alex was like, so sorry, and I like, see you. You haven't really got to the you know. Is if I take it over and I'm like? Oh, thank you. You're like I want to do. But you wanted to do it. <laughs> no, at, at that point, I knew, I knew, I knew it just wasn't happening. Yeah, of course, okay. I wanted to do it. Yeah. But but yeah. you know, this is just this is just. Reality, reality, right? Yeah. Um, this is this is game development, like learning to accept, understand—not accept, learning to like understand reality. Yes. Like understand what actually, what what you've actually made was yes. actually possible. You know.
0: Um, so that that actually reminds me when I really wanted procedural terrain in mm. Subnautica. Sure. And I remember vividly, like four people at the office literally pulling me aside <laughs> and saying, "We're not doing procedural right. environments." Like they were telling me. And I'm, like, the project did director. You, did you view the game as replayable? I wanted it to be. Okay. So I was going say,
1: okay. what, what Subnautica is now, it doesn't make any reason
0: it's, why you... There's did. no replay. Yeah. I is. mean, in fact, it's hilarious. You see the memes, like, people like Subnautica before... Uh, before Subnautica the first time, Subnautica the se- second time. The first time, you're, like, you know, pooping your pants. Right. The second time, you're just, like, bored. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> Go like, another it, Just like, <laughs> Yeah, they're, like, it's hilarious how how not scary it is the second time sure but um but i remember it was like a really quick conversation i remember they're they're just like they just laid out the reasons why we can't do it and i'm like you are absolutely right and i just like we just dropped it immediately but it's like because i knew that they were right like we'd have to give up so many give up so much fidelity and control over the world and storytelling possibilities and
3: yeah it just wasn't
0: working and to what end it's not the anger making so no and that's when all the, there was like a whole bunch of roguelike type kind of elements that were in there. I basically always want to make Splunky in some form. Mm, right. And we just never get to make it. Yeah. So it just keeps popping up in some form.
1: Yeah. I mean, sometimes, can, I mean, a lot of times weird hybrids work. But like, generally speaking, it's like, what type of, are you making a replayable game or are you not making a replayable game? Right? Like, yeah, but yes. you always want replayable, right? Well, no. I mean. I mean, I always do. I mean, I do. I've only You made, definitely do. I've only made replayable yeah. games. My, my point is, is that you Know there should be a variety of games, right? Like, if we only made replayable games, the, the industry would be worse off, right? Because
0: well, you, you think the last of us two could be wouldn't it be even better if it was somehow replayable? It'd be so awesome. Uh, I yeah. mean, it wouldn't. I mean, you're an, ex, you're an experienced designer, so you know that it wouldn't, right? But like, yeah, deep sure. down,
1: I still want it yeah. to, yeah, it's like what we were saying earlier about like, oh, any game would be better if you had a co op or multiplayer, Same, or whatever, yeah, right? right? You know, so except that
0: it wouldn't, yeah, it actually wouldn't,
1: right? Yeah, so you know, like. If, as soon as you realize you're not making a replayable game, then it makes all, yeah. a lot of design decisions True. clear,
0: right? True, um, So. and we actually had that moment, uh, so we understood the replayable stuff went away, but also oh, at some point we, we were having a problem with the performance even before early access, like okay. just getting the game running well enough, that kind of performance, um, and I remember thinking, okay well, If we keep doing this like iPad idea, like we're still gonna keep the game running on iPad and it's gonna be beautiful, this is like a huge nightmare of work, right? Um, You're gonna lose your water there. (laughs) (laughs) It's okay. okay. Uh, Yeah, like to make it replayable would be really hard. And we just said, hey, well, if we did, even if we don't optimize, same thing with uh, uh, system requirements, Mm -hmm. right? If we like say their system requirements are like DirectX 7 or whatever it was at the time, pretty low, how much extra engineering work and how much trade-off are we gonna have to make on the art um versus how many sales we make it became clear like if we just like do as well as space engineers they sold a million copies right we'll be really happy if we yeah. sell a million copies sure yeah. what are their just what are their, their system requirements like pretty high okay, okay. cut ipad like we, we just made our lives a lot easier and by doing that of course we ended up by selling even more right but So anyways, the cutting, like, gave us a ton of energy and aiming, I guess, aiming lower somehow made us sell better.
1: Yep. Um, all right, let's talk about some of the, like, the the things that make an underwater game interesting and and work,
0: Hmm. um,
1: because there hadn't been a lot of successful, um, and maybe they're still, it's not, it's still not like a very common, common thing. and I mean, one thing that, that stri- strikes me is that, um, it is, you know, it is good for tension because yeah, that you don't, because when you're on a flat plane, you kind of know where the, w- where things can That's come from. That's a good point. Right. Yeah. You can figure that out very quickly. Yeah. Whereas we you're underwater, stuff can come from multiple directions. It might be below you, might be above you. I hadn't you. even thought about that. You can yeah. turn around so they completely surprise you. You'd have no reason to think it'd be there. Right. And then there's also the, the wonderful thing, wonderful I guess I yeah. know, but the thing of like, you know, you go in a cave, you get disoriented, and suddenly you don't know which way is up. Yep. Um, like those are all really interesting things, right?
0: The theme was just tension, tension, tension. And I think in the beginning, this whole terraforming idea was like not tense. It was just like, you know, I wanted to like, have this like construction, this happy, happy-go-lucky feel. But that's not what the game was. It was tense from the beginning. So it was always
1: tense and that, and so I mean, it was always like, tense. Just from what you just said, right? right. Yeah, just yeah. your
0: swimming. Oh my gosh, anything could come at me from any direction. And you it thought that came. was,
1: and you thought that was
0: interesting. So you pursued it. It was so clear. Like I didn't see it until we, you could yep. see it on people's faces. Yep. And that's when they responded to the big creatures. Cause it was already, it was playing into the tension of the game. Yep. And that's when we were just like, okay, this, we're making a scary game. Yep.
1: Which yeah, is, maybe this giant creature behind me, and I have. Yeah, <laughs> I can hear. I can hear it moaning yeah, oh from yeah, somewhere. That's, that's why sound is so important. For this oh game. yeah, like oh yeah, you know the uh, it's it's kind of a. You know, sound often gets kind of the secondary classes, and they, they you know they, yeah. they get a lot of games all put in, but this is definitely one game where like you can tell that putting a lot of effort into the sound design really
0: paid off. And the fall off, know? the fall off distances for sure. Yeah, but yeah, like that the tension was like definitely the core, um, core emotion. Yeah. But, um, yeah,
1: it's fascinating how like something that you think is like so important, you know, this key part of the game Yeah, is, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, is not something you thought about much when you started it.
0: It wasn't, I mean, I think I definitely, my instincts are going towards like more intense kind of game experiences or so the tension was in the background, but I, um, in my references for that are like again James Cameron, but like The Abyss was a big reference, there, sure, which yep. is obviously super tense. Yep, but I never had framed it as like I never would have thought we were making a scary game. Yeah, like I knew it was gonna be beautiful and kind of like evocative, but I didn't really think it was gonna be that tense. And that just became like straight up terror game. Like people are like, Yeah, you made a horror game, you know, and like I'm always like, Well, we made it by accident. Because yep. it was just it was just ripe pickings, right? That's what the game was you know, you have to listen to the game, right? You make the you make the game, you think you know what you're making, and then you play it and you realize you're making something different, or that it's much better as something else. And so you pivot towards that and then it usually comes to life. Right. Um,
1: the the crafting side of things, yep. um I mean to me one of the strengths of it in this game is because you don't have you don't have missions, you don't like kind of give the player a lot of, but well, I mean, you don't give the player a lot zero of correct, direction. direction, almost the direction. Zero direction. Yeah, like the crafting is the direction, that's it, right? That's exactly, you it. know. And uh, um, you know, if someone misses that, I, I imagine you know, they're probably if there were players who missed that, I assume yeah. that they probably never connected with the game, right?
0: I saw people bounce big right. time, yeah,
1: and that you know, that's inevitable, but yeah. like, um, but yeah, like that was that was a really strong hook,
0: right? Yeah, um, we got that uh, from Don't Starve. We mm-hmm. tried so many different crafting setups, and the Don't Starve one really made a lot of sense. Can you be more specific about like what that means? I mean, uh, the uh, yes, the because you can see the ingredients. You know, it can sh- it, first of all, there's a few things. One, the menu itself expands. Yes. Over time, so it's modular and it kind of provides some discovery in the crafting. The um, sometimes you can see. Like a recipe, but you don't see the ingredients. I can't mm-hmm. remember which one. I, can't, I don't think we actually ended up shipping that one. We tried that. Um, but sometimes you could see, sometimes you could, you would see um, like the tooltip description of something on the menu. And then you're like, oh, I want that. I want to be able to like swim deeper. Right. So then you're like, then you hover over to see what the ingredients are. And then you like literally go on a quest, your self created quest to yeah. go do those things. Yeah.
1: I remember that for like, Oh, I need the sensor. I need this table coral. Yeah, exactly. Like, like exactly. I even remember that. Well, I like, gotta go find yeah. out something that looks like that. Right. Right. Like, like it's such a very natural progression.
0: It is. And then you're like, you create like, what if scenarios in your mind, like when you see what other things that are, you know, that you're that you've unlocked, but you haven't been able to, you can't build yet. Like some, I can't remember if we actually show you, I guess we always show you the loot ingredients. Do you, remember, do you remember? We tried so many different. <laughs> <laughs> we tried so many different
1: crafting. Let me explain to you remember. how your game. Worked. I know, I, just I totally don't remember. Know this. I have. I know this experience. People ask me stuff about my game, and I remember all the different versions of it. And I, I remember all the versions. I forget which one actually we went with. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah.
0: Um, I never played 1.0, really. I played so, so much before 1.0. Yeah.
1: Well, there's you know there's you show some stuff. Right? Yeah. Like there's the stuff, if you have a blueprint for it it'll show it and it'll tell you what that's what that's what the ingredients are that you need so um, the,
0: yeah the blueprints are like little treasure maps yeah. in a way
1: and i think there's a really important this is something i think about a lot for the ui for our games because there's a really it's really important this distinction between the stuff you show and the stuff you don't show and the stuff you show that is possible but you don't know right. how to do it like it's it's a yeah. it's a it's a tutorial, right? Like you see a button, it's grayed out. Why is it grayed right. out? Mouse over the button. Now you see yeah. why. But at the same time, you can't just do that for everything. Your game probably has 200 elements in right. it, right? Like you can't just start the game and yes. see 200 elements. So you have to figure and they're out they're all grayed out or right, yeah. yeah, yeah. Which are the things you're going to show the player? Which ones yeah. are going to be grayed out? At what time? Etc. Yeah. You know. And
0: that's how we also we expand that menu too. So it's like you start off with like not a huge menu. Yeah. And then as you get blueprints and you get you actually find other menus because yeah. each we have like this is a don't start thing too also if like if you want to customize your your uh CMoth, like it has its own menu or the constructor where you build vehicles it has its own menu and those can all be expanded so this I, mean, I think that works really well for a game about exploration and the unknown because you don't know you'll never know when you found all the menus right and you'll never know because of how the UI works it's not like not like you know Ze- well Zelda's not the best example but it's not like a, a grid where like you fill in the grid it's like you don't know how many menu options there are and you don't know how many don't know how many menus there are. Yeah. So you'll never even know if you found everything in the game, yeah. which I think is really great. That's a yeah. good aspect of the game. So it's,
1: it's, the comparison with, with Don't Starve um, makes me think of a couple things because, um, you know, Sonic is, is a scary game, mm-hmm. but it's not a but it's not a brutal game. Whereas I feel like Don't Starve is like a brutal. It's game. brutal. You're <laughs> right? so right. Yeah. Uh, did you think about that? Like you know, like where you wanted to fall on that
0: spectrum. I don't, I don't, um, I think we just followed the fun on that one. Right. Cause I mean, again, for not, a re- if we're making a roguelike, maybe it'd be more brutal, would be better. Sure. Cause then you have it's, to do it over again. Yeah, exactly. Point, right? That's the whole point. Yeah. But like, I, there's basically no skill in Subnautica, which is really weird. Right. It's very skill light. Yeah. So like a skill check, I'm not really sure what that would really, what that would be really good for. It just kind of keeps people out of the game. Yeah. It
1: I was, mentioned the thing about when you lose orientation.
0: Yeah. Did you guys, I was curious,
1: you guys ever consider like a an arrow to like orient the player? No. Yeah. I don't necessarily think that's the right thing to do. Yeah. I think it's part of the, the yeah. I was just curious if you guys actually
0: actively consider it. We run. do have a like a pathfinder tool mm-hmm. that you can, if you're the kind of person that does get disoriented a lot, you can build one and you can basically create like a path in mm-hmm. as you're swimming into a cave and then you can follow it back out again. Okay. Sure. So um, I'm not sure how much people use it. I've never used it, I don't think. But yep. I know some people do.
1: Have you gone scuba diving?
0: I have. I used to scuba dive a lot.
1: A lot? Okay. Yeah. Before you did Subnautica? Yep. Okay. Did that come into you? I mean, it must have somehow. Like, what, could, what did you learn from that that affected the design? it terrifies me.
0: <laughs> <laughs> scuba diving is totally terrifying. Yeah. It's also the most beautiful, wonderful thing I've ever done. Right. And I think both of those things are in Subnautica. So I sure. think that's part of it. But I would love to be able to master my fear in scuba diving because it's just all mental. It's yeah. just a stupid mental thing. Cause it's so wonderful. You're you know, you're flying, you're flying through the underwater, like yeah. you're controlling your height, your depth with your breath. You know, yeah. it's like it's unbelievable. Yeah, there's a lot more. So I actually I just did my first scuba
1: diving last oh, December. Nice. Yeah. Um and uh, I was amazed how much more technical it was, and I thought it hmm. would be. You know, I mean, I, I had no idea. I was like, "Well, you put the thing in your mouth and you breathe and you
0: go underwater, yeah. right?" And I was like, "That's no. about it."
1: It's about it. <laughs> it's like, you know, you got to balance out your
0: gases, and you ah, gotta, someone you can't else goes go so that fast. for you. You got time yourself. Well, yeah, yeah. Like, usually someone else does all of that. Well, for you. sure, if you have an yeah. instructor, but even then, yeah. you still have to be aware of it. But there, yeah, there's yeah.
1: like, there's just one moment where I was still going through the the training. Yeah, you know, and I was at. Yeah, you know, like at six feet deep, she wanted me to prove that I could like take I my know, mask off fun. and put it put it back on and blah blah blah. And I have this specific phobia of I like, I like I've never opened my eyes underwater. Oh, I'm the same. Right? Really? Okay. Yeah. I don't know where it comes from. Like, they're not gonna like pop out of my head or something. But like, I just I can't do it, and I just wouldn't open my eyes, which makes no sense. But so I panicked and like you know, I shot yeah. myself onto the surface, and then you know like it, the 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 terror only got me later. Where I was like, if I had been on the bottom when I had been trying that out and I was 30 feet under, like I yeah. could have seriously hurt myself mm. like in that situation. And like, you know, as you, you, you play it back and it's like, Oh, like it's such a, it's such a calm, it is a very peaceful, calm, beautiful yeah. experience. I love floating past the reefs and seeing things, but at the same time, it's so
0: dangerous. Mm. So it's this, it's this super weird combination of things. I would say like, it's. I don't think it's. It doesn't seem to actually be dangerous. But it, the, obviously, the, is the danger, potential. Is there the potential is in, obviously in just a there. way that is yeah.
1: absolutely not normal. Yes. Like right now, I'm just yes. sitting here and exactly air. nothing's going to happen me, yep. Period. Right. Yeah. And, um, and yeah, we I mean, should just stay here forever. I'm pretty right. sure. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. I'm totally with you. So it's just this. It's just this. Yeah, it's an interesting tension.
0: Um, okay. I, I feel the same way, and I, I mean, I'm hoping that they're like training you to like, you know, do that in the shallows. When you're like one foot below yeah. and you just do it over and over and over until you're over it.
1: Yeah, we started in the pool. Yeah, you know, so right. there you go. But Did, least, did you ever consider making Subnautica more technical?
0: I did put, we did uh, prototype a couple things like, uh, you know, nitric, or um, nitrogen levels in your blood. Yep. You know, so you have to do like a safety stop or you have to negotiate right. it. It's just like yep. the feedback, you know, in our prototype, the feedback wasn't good. Yep. So it was just like just a weird obstacle yep. that felt really mysterious and dumb. Yeah. It was basically just like, it's like a mastery, it's a mastery skill for no good reason. Right. So that, you could actually probably even try that. I think it's still enabled in the console in Subnautica. Like oh, ni- really? Nitrogen, yeah. <laughs> nitrogen 1 or something like that. It's the Nitrogen update. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <like> you <laughs> now everything just gets really difficult and annoying <laughs> for no good reason.
1: Yeah. It's funny because like oftentimes with you're making games... Um, you're looking for, you, you pick a theme yeah. and then you look for the natural obstacles, right? Like you're right. making a game about traffic or you're making a game right. about, uh, I don't know, uh, managing airport or whatever. Right. Or, uh, I remember Sid had a joke once where he, um, uh, talked about making some golf and he went to yeah. talk to some golfers to get their advice on making the, the holes. Yeah. And he was like, like, they didn't give me like, <laughs> they it's said like, what, super what they boring. wanted is they wanted like, basically make the green like a funnel so the ball would just roll into the green I mean not really obviously but like they didn't they had no concept of like the idea that like a game should have like, The whole point of a game is friction, yeah. Right, you need right. some obstacles. So, anyway, what I'm getting at hilarious. is when you pick a theme, you usually look for the natural points of friction, yeah, that actually match the theme or whatever. Yeah. And it's, it's funny because with scuba diving, there are points of friction, like there is all that oxygen. technical stuff. Te- I mean, there's oxygen, but that's so yeah. straightforward. But there are, there is that technical stuff, yeah. But I, I can totally see why it just doesn't make sense in,
0: in the game. So, it's you like because the more you focus on that technical stuff, the more you're not focused on the giant creature right. sounds that are like echoing up from the chamber below. Right. You know, like, yeah, and I, yeah. It also doesn't feel good when you, if you master that skill and you're just now competent, that's right. your high bar, It's competence. Did it over and over again is not, yeah. Yeah, like, you fail, then you feel dumb. Right. And if you succeed, you just feel normal. So, I don't know. Um, not everything can become a game. <laughs> yeah, or, like, you don't <laughs> want to play that game. Yeah. Like, I don't really want to play that game. Yeah. But... Yeah, we, we we could also focus on some like cool sci-fi stuff instead, you know, like I don't know, like the gravity ball, the gravity uh, yeah. generator thing that like pulls in fish yeah. and there's like I don't know, you could do much cooler stuff than that, yeah, for
1: sure. Um, yeah. What? Um, yeah, it struck me with the fabricator that it was like just this, this very. Wow, trying what am I trying to say? Um, Magical. Well, it was. It was. It was so good for your game design, yeah. Right to have this one place you go, yeah. and it makes stuff it leads people through the game. Um, yeah. and you know, like if it wasn't sci-fi, you wouldn't be able to, you know, you wouldn't so be true. able to do this. Right? So true. Um, it would be so much more. It would. You'd have to. It'd just be very unnatural. Yeah. Um, so. Well,
0: don't starve somehow pulls it off. Yeah, I I guess how that's that works? True. Steampunk it's yeah. still kind of magic-y. Yeah. But you're right.
1: Um, I don't think it's right, really now. Nice. A lot of those games involve you're like, oh, you get a workbench and blah blah blah. Yeah, blah, you know, it's, it's like, like oh, building okay, it this I guess so. <laughs> Yeah, I guess. Yeah.
0: Um,
1: okay, so uh, how'd you end up, how'd you write the story for for
0: Micah? So Tom Jubert, uh, he was a he's a game writer. Um, mm-hmm. He'd worked on like FTL and some other games. Okay. Um, so, Solus Project. No, Telus Principle. Sorry. Right. Um, he like played the game in early access in classic Unknown Worlds fashion. He came from our community. Oh, cool! And just said, "Hey, I'd really like to write a story for this game. This this game could really use a story." And we basically just said, "Okay." And, okay. And then, then, then you
1: had you had cut the story, is that right? And cut the story. To, and he came to you. Yeah. And, and said, "We need to add a story." Like literally, at, you weren't until he came came to you. You weren't going to put a story
0: back in. That I don't remember. Right. I think we were probably we were probably about. From my memory, we were about seven, seven or eight months into early access, mm-hmm. so we were just kind of hit, you know, in our yeah, groove yeah. doing the headliners. I don't think I had thought about story for a while. I think people, you know, people had suggested it. Right. You know, you see on the forums, like it'd be really cool if we could see a little data log about the people that were here before us, or um, I don't really remember exactly um, what the thinking was then. I think in my back of my mind, I always wanted some story, but it, right. um, I'm not really a story person. Sure. Just me kind me of, too. It's hard. Yeah,
1: but you can't. You kind of need a story for an ending, right? It's hard to have an ending without. True. Story. We
0: were th- so we were at a we were we were wondering whether we were just going to make a sandbox game and just finish it and put a bow on it and move on to the next game, or whether we were going to keep going and like just really take it to the to the next level. And I it was like definitely a, there were people on the team who just wanted to put a put a bow on it and mm-hmm. just um, we had to convince them that this would be better. And it because it was a lot. It was over. It's probably a, at least a year of extra work for the story. Wow, oh, it was yeah. really significant. We had a lot. You know, we had, didn't really have cutscenes, but we added like the whole ending was like a huge amount of work. Um,
1: Do you know yeah. how many, how much of your, how many of your players have kind of gone through the whole thing?
0: I should know that number. I could, I could tell you with. I could, we could add it in, patch it in after because I can just <laughs> I, there's a query I can run robot and find voice.
1: Out. I mean, is it just like yeah. roughly like it's, one in ten, one in five? Uh, it's, one probably in, one in, yeah. it's
0: probably one. in It's probably 1 in 20 or 1 in 10, okay. right around there. Yeah. Maybe, it might be 1 in, one in uh, 8 or something like that. Right. But I, I actually, I should just look that up because I actually don't know. Right. Um, but I'm so happy with that story. Like, it was just, it turned out to be a quite an emotional story. Right. And it just kind of crept up on the game in a really organic way. And of players will never encounter the story because they don't—they're not story players and they don't really care. Sure. And they're fine. But when you realize that there is a story and it's like it kind of—it doesn't even reveal itself to you until significantly far into the game, and then it gets bigger and bigger, and then it gets more and more extravagant. Right. With a, entire new areas devoted to it. Right. So, Are there mechanics that unlock for the story, or it could be completely ignored? No. Okay. I mean, they're It uses all the existing mechanics. Right. So yeah, there it's more crafting and more I mean there's like uh that's not totally true actually we did have to add one mechanic do you know how the um how the time capsules work mm-hmm. it's actually like my favorite feature of okay anything I've ever worked on all right so throughout the game you're finding these time capsules and there's these little capsules and they're like they like filled to like random loot ingredients and little weird messages and images and stuff and you're like oh I wonder how this got here um like, it just feels like, it feels like lore, basically. Like, just random stuff. People writing little messages and stuff. And, um, and then at the end of the game, you actually build a rocket. And you're, like, this huge, you like, there's a whole other thing that happens before that. But you finally decide you want to leave the planet. And you spend a ton of time building this giant multi-stage rocket. Like, mm-hmm. you climb, 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 and doing <laughs> all It's a huge, long, extended end sequence. And at the very top, right before you get in the chair where you're going to blast off, there's a place where you can craft a time capsule and you 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 basically open it up and you can, it basically says like upload screenshot, upload loot and type a message. And so you realize at that moment that every time capsule that you found previously was created by somebody else at this very spot who just who beat the game. Oh. Right before they beat the game, they made their own time capsules. I hope that people get that. Most people, they seem like they get it. Huh. It's kind of like a journey thing, you know, where, like, you didn't realize that the people that... Right. That, the, there was a real... The AI that you are playing with before are real was a real players. person, right. So wow. I was like, yeah. This is a beautiful moment of, like, the circular nature of, like, everything's connected and, you know, how the right. notions, everything's are connected. So you take a screenshot and you write a note. And... Oh, sorry, I didn't finish that. And then, you, and then you, you, you sit down, you hit the ignition sequence, you blast off, and as you blast off, there's a little minor little cutscene where... It, it says like, you know, time capsule ejected, it shoots out and it lands down on the planet. So that's where it like closes the loop and you kind of understand that- Someone else will. Somebody else, yeah, will get it. Um, So I just thought that was really beautiful. It was a huge amount of work and I just like, just like love that thematically and it happens at the right moment where it's like, I mean people like cry at the end. Mm -hmm. Like I've seen like there's plenty of YouTube videos, people crying, like it's just, I wasn't even expecting it was gonna be like that. It just worked. Yeah. Most so, if
1: you, you found a way to make a small connection to another person that's in it. the game. At the you know, you, perfect
0: moment, yeah. where, where you're leaving a planet that you just spent, like, 40 hours, like, kind of attached to. Right. And kind of being really scared of in the beginning, and eventually kind of no longer being scared of it. Yeah. Because so, you overcome, you know, you basically get, it's like the second playthrough. Yeah. You're just not scared of the planet anymore, because <laughs> you just, you know how to swim, you know how to avoid the creatures. Yeah, and yeah, yeah, You got your, like, exosuit, and you got all this stuff, so... Cool. All yeah. right. So
1: looking back at Sedona Sonaka now, is there anything you'd do differently?
0: No. No? I mean, yes. Absolutely. But they're mi- they're minor. Yeah. Um, there's some like random extra cruft in there. I don't like the key card puzzle that's snuck in there. <laughs> All right. There's like a violent weapon that's snuck in there, which I just found out about. Really? Really upsetting. <laughs> really, really upsetting. Like there's a gun? A, a gas torpedo. Oh, okay, I like didn't even maybe I, I don't think I ever knew about it. Someone just told me about it. I'm like you've got to be kidding me Right that sneak in there So but after NS 2 like I really want to make a game where everyone could contribute to the game Yeah, like I really really wanted that like this. Oh, you know, it's like It's not a it's not like a, a difficult tech tree where everything has to be balanced, right? It's not this tight economy This is a sandbox game, right? You know, survival sandbox so people should be able to put stuff in and have it work. And they did. And there's just a few that I just really wish didn't make it in there. And that's right. on me. I should have.
1: the like decentralized design.
0: Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. Um I mean, I was like checking over everything and like providing like the core. But like content wise, other lots of stuff went in. Tons of stuff. And actually, well, I, I shouldn't even say that, you know, I, uh, one of our level designers, Michael, like he did like he did all the loot balance at the end, which is like a huge amount of work. And he really crushed it right because that's not an easy task right so um yeah so i don't know i, I always i keep thinking like oh maybe subnautica was like my peak that might have been it <laughs> you know because we just rocked it like did well people like 12 year olds get my autograph all the time sure. like yep, they yep. just go crazy for it
1: yeah so, well you know i mean don't think of it that way just think of it like most developers don't get a chance to me a game that connects they don't. like that, right? They so don't. just appreciate. That's it. That's the, the way, way to look at
0: it, but I'm yeah. like always just like the back of my mind. <laughs> it's like, all downhill from here. Well, it's, yeah, it's like, the, it's like the stoic, the stoic philosophy thing, you know? Like you just always have to remember this might be the last time to hold a little baby. Yeah. Who knows? You yeah. Because you have those last times all the time, right? Yeah. You don't even notice when they happen. Yeah. Oh, that was the last time I went to that person's house oh, before yeah. they moved. Yeah. I didn't even yeah. know they were moving. That no. was it. That was the last time I had a conversation with that person. So, yeah. I don't know. Just part of me is like, maybe that was it. But, yeah. I don't think so, but maybe. Well don't just don't try to chase it.
1: You know? Yeah. Don't, you know, like That's it's, true. It's even if you kind of whatever. I mean it's, it's kind of a moment in time, right? Like it, yeah. it it's not just the game you made, it's also the way the 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 industry and the market is at the true. time and the games people are looking for and whatever. Like sometimes true. everything just connects, you know. It all just worked. Um I mean I think what's interesting about Subnautica is that it it you guys work to make it connect. It's not like, yeah. it's not, it wasn't like a rocket ship to the moon, right? Like, Right, yeah, right. <laughs> like, um, yeah. it was, it was just a long process. So you guys must've been really paying attention to oh, yeah. what was going on.
0: Oh yeah. We're really tuned into the community. Yeah. It's the only way. Cool. All
3: We're right. Well, weird. uh, yeah.
1: do you, Genuine. I mean, we talked a little bit before, do you like, yeah.
0: what could what be a good way to talk about what comes next? I mean, good question. Um, well, it's weird because, I mean, what I, I guess what I can say is, like, it's strange that I've been, like, in the background for Below Zero. That right. was our follow-up to Subnautica. I basically right. just coached right. the lead, David Kalina. I just kind of, like, was in the background just met with him every week and just yeah. said, hey, how can I help? Yep. Oh, you're having this problem? Oh, I had that problem once and I solved it this way. Or I'm just listening. But I wasn't, I wasn't involved with Below Zero at all, right. really. And then, so I've been working on another game for all, let's see. It's been four, almost four and a half years. I've been working wow. nonstop on another game, not in early access. Four and a half years? Yep. Well, you work on games for a long time. We do, <laughs> it's really long time. It's really, really long time. I can't believe this one has taken so long, because we never would have thought that it would have. Right. But, um, and I would have loved to, I mean, this one wasn't, unfortunately, was not built for, I mean, it was built for early access, but there were other reasons why we couldn't do early access with it. Um, But it's weird to have, you know, my whole career has been Early Access, and then suddenly here's a game where we're just not doing it at all. Right. I mean, we are actually going to be launching into Early Access soon, but um, it's, like, going to be much more finished compared to the other games. Right. So um, it is weird. But, and also, I like, I think we, like, I wanted to work on something totally different. I think every game I want to work on something really different. Right. So it couldn't be any more different than Subnautica. You know, like, it's just... It's not the next somatica It's and um, it's not next Natural Selection. It's just something totally different, right? New genre for us. And actually, I think it's. I th- Do you think you worked on Natural Selection too long? Like that's yes. why you've got to this point yes. where you have this feeling. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Definitely. Because that's a long time. <laughs> oh my god! I mean, NS even NS one I worked on too long. Yeah. It was 18 months to get it out, but then I just like kept working on it like. I was still obsessed with trying to make it grow for at least a year. Yeah. And the writing was on the wall. Like, I was just not going to make it grow. Yeah. <clears throat> but then NS2 was just, yeah, a decade. Literally a decade. Yeah. Um, and we did make a lot of other stuff, or some other stuff. Like I mentioned, the there was the downloadable game. We made some middleware, made an engine, and we formed a company. Yeah. There was a bunch. Of, we built a whole team. I mean, it was just there was a lot that happened there. Yeah. But um, it was still too long. Okay. Um, what
1: can you, do you want, other like design ideas you want to talk about in general for the I mean, next project? Things that interest you or like? Yeah, work? I mean, I guess some of it would be. Why is it that you've like dedicated your professional life to making games?
0: Hmm. Um, cause I just like, I guess I like creating experience experiences for people and, um, yeah, it's just like, it's just the thing that I enjoy the most. Like, I just like building stuff and I like, I love games and, um, it's just like, I, every time I think that I'm done, I just come crawling back and I just love it even more. It's just like making games is just gives me a lot of joy. Just, just, it's just that simple. I mean, what is it about seeing
1: you affecting people that like makes a difference to you?
0: I mean, I don't even know if it's about affecting people, which is kind of weird because you you would want it to be about right. like bringing joy to people, but it's actually not that for me. Okay. I just like I don't know. Is it about affecting people? I mean, I wouldn't want to make games that no one played. Sure, that would suck. Right. Um, even if it was like the world's best game, and but I wonder if like if I could just make like the world's best game and like I got to play it with like my friends. That would also be really exciting. (laughs) (laughs) I would really enjoy that, but it'd be like, why would I want to keep that? Why would it be just be us? I'd want other people to be able to play it if it was really good. Um, I mean, I guess, I mean, to tie it, I've like done some like thinking about like what it is about games that I really like, really enjoy that speaks to me. And I think a lot of it then bring it back to like how I grew up is like, I did grow up in a very cold environment, a Mm -hmm. very dark environment, often dark. And also, like, kind of socially isolating. Yeah. So people, you know, Vermonters don't really talk to each other. <laughs> okay. They're just kind of gruff. And yeah. They're super nice, but they don't really they don't really share their emotions. They don't really. It's not very expressive. Yeah. And I think with games, like I always wanted to. I want to bring like warmth to the world. Right. Like games, like when I see when I, when I see what happens, like at a, at like a if you're at a dinner party and the conversation like starts to die, you can break out a game and people come to life. Sure. You know, it's just like, it's rejuvenating. It's just gets energy. Yep. And I love that about games. And I love, I guess I love, I want to bring that to as many people as I can. Yeah. That's
1: good. Yeah. I feel the same way about games that like, uh, especially, especially board games because there's not some technological barrier. Yep. Um, but just that there's these people who could be having a great time and they don't realize it. Because they just need to find the right game for them. Yeah, exactly. You know? And the right game for them. It's not time to try it. Not everyone's ready yeah. to play Twilight Imperium. Right, exactly. But, like, you know, if you find the right game for the right group of people, like, they yeah. will suddenly have a better time,
0: you know? Like, instantly. Yeah. And people are laughing, and it's like, they're, like, they're showing their personalities. Yep. And it becomes memorable, and they're working their minds, so they're, like, you know, exercising their mind, which is so good for you. Yeah, I think that's what it comes down to. And, and I love board game. I mean, I absolutely am in love with board games. The one downside, of course, is that it's hard to bring them to a lot of people. Yeah. So, like, yeah, there's so much cardboard and the sure. shipping and, like, the reading the rules. Whereas a video game, it's just, like, yeah. spread like wildfire. Yeah. I, I have a, a big
1: interest in... in. am sorry, when way you put this? I mean, I think a game like Hearthstone, for example, has really succeeded. Mm. Yeah. Because... There's a certain board game aesthetic yep. that you really have to commit to yep. in a video game, but makes a big difference if people yep. feel like the game is simple enough and transparent enough that they kind of understand what's going on. Yeah. So it doesn't it doesn't feel like they're playing a system. It feels like they're playing like a, a game they can they can rock. Yeah. You know, and I feel like there should be more video games like that. I totally that, couldn't that, agree more. That yeah. give themselves that, that limitation. Yep. That They're like, okay, the people should feel like this is. You know, this is something they can match to see down the plane and the computer oh are just help, helping them.
0: So. Such a perfect uh, segue because like you can't, I can't wait to show you the new game. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Couldn't agree
1: with you more. All right. Well, maybe Could this will be the agree. right segue. This will be the later, segue. Later yeah.
0: Oh my gosh. That's hilarious that you just said that. But cool. Yeah. All uh, right. Well, really nice talking you to you. This. this is so fun. Oh yeah. my gosh. Yeah, this I feel like we just covered like yeah. lands, you know, like five worlds, <laughs> you know, eras. It's always epic. Wow.